Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. Back in the rugby dungeon again, as we are, 52 weeks of the year. Yes, you will have a podcast from us, sorry, I went through puberty again then. You will have a podcast from us next Monday, guaranteed. No one else will be able to say that, that's how much we care. And if you appreciate uh, that we're there for you and have been for nearly 10 years, uh, then you can... I know, it's mad, isn't it? Then you can support us, um, well, just by telling someone, you know, that you might like this, by subscribing wherever you get your podcast, by leaving a five-star review, or by going to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Um, JB and Phil are just exchanging something on a laptop in front of me. I can't see what's on the screen. That's huge. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, uh, JB, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well. Um, JB, talk talk me through through this that's on my lap right now. That's Uh, in the rugby dungeon. So the rugby dungeon now doubles as my um, office space, which, as you can tell, is a mess. But what you have there is my foot massage and heater thing, which heats my feet to keep me generally, generally warm. But also... Keeps my feet nice, tender, and soft for my OnlyFans page. <laughs> <laughs> this does look like the sort of thing you would buy on QVC at about 3am. Isn't it just? <laughs> You'll never guess what I've bought. <laughs> well, try it out, Tim. It's, it's decent. It's uh, it's relaxing. How are you doing, Phil? I'm okay, Tim. You're right. How, all good, mate. All good. How was your weekend, your disrupted weekend in Ireland? Well, well, hang on. We'll get we, onto the disruption in a bit. Yeah, before yeah. we start with disrupted, because we do ramble a bit on this podcast let's go straight into some rugby because i'm going to congratulate you tim and i want you to expand a little bit on your excellent interview with dan with dan mcfoland because you got quite a lot out of him well i mean do you know what this is one of those things and um sometimes people ask you about like oh what's how how do you do a good interview blah 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 i didn't do anything on that one in the sense that i just asked the question tell us about the disruption and your thoughts down and dan mcfarland was dynamite he was brilliant he was great wasn't he what i will say is i've got a really good relationship with dan mcfarland mm-hmm. i i think he i think he likes me respects me trusts me and all the rest of it and that's the key thing is uh and there was one time it was a couple of years ago did ulster play gloucester in the champions cup or maybe in the, pool, in the pool stages a couple of years back yeah anyway i, rem- I remember in the ulster leg um Dan McFarlane took umbrage with, with something that I'd said. Uh. And then on the return fixture, because this was in the great days when you had 
home and away, back and rounds, oh, rounds three oh, and four. Yeah. Those great Simpler days. times. Beautiful. So the next week, I, I, I went over and um, I wanted to diffuse it before I had the chat. So I went to Dan McFarland um, and just said, look, Dan, we're going to chat in a minute. We're going to do the interview. But I just want to say, and he, he said, stop, stop. I was out of order. You were absolutely right to ask that question. I can't even remember what it was now. You were totally right to ask that question. And I'm, 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 I, I was wrong. And, uh, and we had a shake of the hands. And kind of ever since then, he's been really really warm with me but but you know sometimes that happens sometimes it takes yeah sort yeah of like you fall out and then you sort of go oh actually and I, I get this guy and it was one of them so i think that's partly why he uh i think that if i did anything it was in the months and years gone by yeah and well, not in the interview you've been able to build up that relationship and it's like that falling out or that little falling out wasn't because of you trying to get a gotcha or something like no. that. Wasn't trying to set him up for a gotcha, no. which I think not, not perhaps not all, uh, not specific rugby, but not all journalists would not have that uh, it, integrity. It is a weird. Th- so if people do th- believe that you're genuine, so I hear I get a lot out of people, which I never repeat on the podcast from a lot of people in rugby who don't say a thing in public. But because they know I'm not going to repeat it, or if I am going to repeat it, it won't yeah. be from them, or it'll be with my own... 100%. you just got to build the trust. That's massive, that's mm. massive. you got to build the trust. Yeah. Like, uh, Tom, Tom Wood said something once to me, which is something along the lines, and this is on the podcast, I'm not just saying Tom Wood <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he never speaks to me again. I'm not going to drop him in. <laughs> but, it now. But he's like, I don't, I don't speak to the press, but I'm happy to do a long-form podcast, because mm. you can put it, into, put it into context. And I think it's quite important for people, because the problem with the press is that the journalist can write a really good article with the best of intentions, but the editor usually yeah. chooses the headline. So things get taken massively out well, of context. Well, and a great example of that was actually, and this was, uh, oh, it was not a mistake, but it's something I went, oh, I should have I should have actually been more accurate in my words. I said to George Skivington uh, last week, before the um, Bordeaux game, I said, um, so George, it's interesting to see that you, you regard yourselves as underdogs. And he said... Well, those weren't the words I actually used, and then he expanded the point. Um, and, and that was uh, a headline and a journalist framing what he'd said as George Skivington is saying that he thinks that they're yeah. underdogs. Which, what, which he was making the broad point that English clubs are going to struggle this year for a number of reasons. Yeah, well, they will if they pick that, that second team to go to, to Leinster. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Another, another talking point that we can get into on the podcast. Mm. But no, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting one, but it's just... Being in the position of holding a microphone in front of a rugby DOR is the same as any relationship you have in business or friendship. It's like integrity yeah. and and, uh, and uh, it's just it's just all normal human stuff, isn't it? And Dan, Dan did the name check where he said, "Well, Tim," and then went into. And you, <laughs> oh, you, you asked the question, and then you could tell he was incensed. You no, could tell oh, he was yeah. passionate there, about there probably it. Probably a few people listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about. Right. Yes. So just tell everyone, like, what was he? What were the main thrusts of his? Grievances. Well, firstly, just even to reiterate the fact that, in case you weren't aware, the the Ulster game that should have taken place at the Kingspan Ravenhill on Saturday evening at five thirty p.m. in Belfast took place at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin at the same time. Is that because they don't have any of the pitch heating? It's well, it's ultimately because EPCR, along with the refereeing team and what uh, uh, made the decision so that which the, was, it was Luke Pierce as the Luke, referee Luke Pierce and his refereeing team and officials from EPCR made the decision on Friday evening whilst the le- what late in the afternoon um made the decision that the that the pitch was unplayable at that point mm-hmm. um, so that's 24 hours before over 24 hours before over 24 hours before um they made that they made that call Ulster 
thought that was not the right call to make. And Dan McFarland in his, in, in his interview said, the, said, he said on Saturday afternoon, just before uh, Ulster played um, La Rochelle, he said the, the pitch is playable. EPCR made the wrong decision. And this is not the, this is not the right right way to go. And as much as it's affected, it could affect things on the field. Actually, the fact that that this competition represents so much more than that, mm. and the fans not being part of it is some is the thing that he regretted the most. The fans not being part of it is huge. Like there's and there's one side to say the fans would give Ulster the extra five points, seven points, ten points, whatever it is. But it's it's actually just to take away that spectacle from. 20 odd thousand fans um, yeah. they'll, they'll get a little bit of cash back they'll get the, the, the return on their, their ticket presumably but that's totally different and that pales into insignificance between seeing last year's champions and Ulster ultimately giving a, a performance which any Ulster fan myself included would, would be very proud of them and well, are very proud, are of, proud of, of yeah. them uh, of what the second half I mean don't get me wrong it's important that they scored a lot of points and it's nice that they came back and whatnot. But I think last week for Ulster was a disaster. It was. This week for Ulster... First half was a disaster. Yeah, well, it was a semi-disaster. First half, sure. first half was a disaster. Unless, you're, unless you actually come back and win it, I just don't... Get There's a lot there know. to be proud of. Mm. So it's, it's, still, it's still a disappointing result because ultimately it means Ulster, as we kind of said on the pod last week... They're basically out now. Yeah. They, they could they could mathematically if go. If they through. get a five point win against Sale, they could they could, they could probably sneak. Through. I mean, I guess. My but point. it's even if they sneak through, you're then going to be going yeah. away to a Leinster or, or Toulouse or La Rochelle. So you, have got to beat them at some point. They they're basically out. Yeah. I mean, I just think if this was the Championship or the bottom end of the Premiership or whatever it may be, and it's a new team and it's building, you go, yeah, I'm proud of that. But it's a Champions Cup. So any well, loss in Champions Cup, you just got to say, yeah, that, but that's, that's not good enough. It's our second half. And so up to half-time, Ulster, in this year's and when they um, from when they previously scored in the um, Heineken Champions Cup, they conceded 75 points for uh, against and nil four from the last time they scored a try away at uh, home at Toulouse, not away at Toulouse, home at Toulouse. Um and so to turn that around, to stop that slide, like it was in this year's, it was 120 minutes and 68 points conceded. So to turn that around and to win the second half, 29 points to seven, that is something to be proud of. But mm. you could, you've got to look Four at that. Four tries to three as well. well. You, Four tries to three. You've got to look at that in isolation. Like the, yeah. the whole game. Absolutely. No. But that in isolation, yes. Yeah. Um, you can be proud of that. Do you think there's an element of La Rochelle taking their foot off the gas a bit? Because they were so powerful, mm. so dominant. I, I, I mean, I, no, I don't see it like that. I didn't see it like that. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Like, it's an easy score. It's an easy um, thing to kind of put in or easy narrative to paint. But actually, the first half was more even than the scoreline suggested. It was, and also the second half... 29-0. Uh, yeah, the, um, more even than the scoreline yeah. suggested. And also, also, the reason why La Rochelle's were 29-0 up at half-time... Was it even more than that? It was 29-0. No, 29-0. It was the reason 29-0. why La Rochelle were 29-0 up at half-time is the same reason why, Le- why Ulster were able to come back, because they have a ginormous pack, who, when Ulster actually got quick ball, got exhausted. They were blowing, and they were yeah. really struggling. They've, they've really... They've failed, basically, to impose what they want to do on any team so far. I, I believe they're a really good team. I believe when they get going, they're excellent, but they've just failed completely. Mm. And I think in the 
in this format with so few games, you've got to hit the ground running. And if you yeah. don't, you're screwed. And they're, they're messed up. I think they have. They have they're completely. messed up. And yeah. the, the other thing you'll see from Ulster is they've they've got a relatively thin squad as well. Yeah. They've not got oh, huge do, depth yeah. in in yeah Ulster. Yeah, yeah, they've not got um, huge depth in lots of positions. And so a couple of injuries, like you, you saw um, Nathan Doak having to go to ten after what was it twenty minutes when Billy Burns goes off, and he's. I'm sh- I'm absolutely certain he has played ten as a young man, but not this level. Not uh, not um, against um, La Rochelle. Very few people have. Yeah, yeah, to be fair. yeah, yeah. But just, just returning to, and this is why I think because they got close and it, it was a spirited performance. This is why I think the conversation about where the game happened is becomes more relevant because mm. you know what impact a home fan a home fans can have. Now La Rochelle Donica um, Ryan was keen to say that they they as a team, and I believe this to be the case, thrive on an atmosphere. So they were really disappointed mm. that the game couldn't happen in front of a fully believe that as well, yeah. hundred percent. I fully believe that that is the case. But this this is an interesting one. And one thing only popped into my head, I didn't think about it yesterday, but I worked on Saracens v Claremont about four or five years ago. One of the snow. Yes. Yeah. And that got moved back 24 hours. Mm. Did they get smashed in that or did they win? I can't remember. They got smashed. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah. It was cancelled because of the snow on the Sunday afternoon and then it got played on the Monday night and they got like uh, Alavaretti Raka scored loads of points. Anyway, but so there was, I forgot that there was precedent for that because one of the things I was thinking is, oh yeah, EPCR, they don't want to make a precedent for moving a game 24 Mm. hours, which is what Ulster wanted. Now there are logistical issues with being able to do that, but the fact it has happened previously does does make me feel, that is a shame for Ulster. It is, it is a shame for the fans, shame for everyone. I mean, you know, I don't think they're ever winning this game. I know you're very proud of the second half performance and whatnot. Um, it would it be worth seven points potentially, but then yeah. I don't think that La Rochelle mm. let off. Or no, I, I don't think I don't think it makes a difference to the game. Yeah, it might, and I, I think yeah. if it it been, do. I think if you don't have the um, the Hastoy try in the first half with the funny bounce of the ball and also give a couple of fewer penalties away so they don't mm. score nine points through the boot and it's it's a little bit closer at half time all that means is La Rochelle play harder for a bit longer and so it, t- it it's only in the 60th minute that Ulster actually get back into the game um, so I, I don't think and I said it last week I don't think I actually said last week that Ulster's uh, Champions Cup season was already over um, I think the issue for La Rochelle is that their bench did not make an impact and that that is interesting because you look at the bench or particularly the the backs that they brought, like Raymond Rule and uh, Bottier, who come on. You're like, Those boys are always going to make an impact off the You'd bench. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? But they actually didn't. Yeah. And they, they lose probably a bit of... Well, they certainly lose a bit of size up front nope. if you take off Skelton and Uini Antonio um, because <laughs> they're two of the biggest players mm. on the planet in, mm. in, in, in any position. Because I don't pay attention to things. Uh, I was very surprised to see Alton Delan make an appearance on the bench. Yeah, well, I had no idea that he was even there. Whatever the case, I, I'd yeah. say a limitation of La Rochelle. If you were another team looking at it, is and if I were Toulouse or Len- Leinster, like to play at a rapid pace, quick ball. It's how Ireland based their game as well, and I, I, I would be feeling not confident because La Rochelle are very good, but I'd be feeling like that, I, I, you know how you can beat La Rochelle because if you if you start Will Skelton rather than have him as an impact guy that Australia do. You're, you're gonna. You're, there's gonna be holes in that defensive line on 50 yeah. minutes. The thing is, yeah. simple isn't easy or easy. No, no, no yeah, simple I agree. Isn't easy. I agree. No, no, no definitely. I, agree. I think but one of the best players on the planet, Will Will Skelton. Yeah, he is. 
definitely. And he's, he's one of the most unique because of the combination of size, but also also athleticism. But they have got a unique pack, haven't they? When you think it's, about that. I mean, it's enormous. It's a hell of a pack. When one of either Antonio or Skelton goes down, it's not clear how you replace those lads, is it? Well, um, so one other thing, just on the on the whole context of the game, um, there's the there's the money that Ulster are saying they've now lost through this wrong decision, all the rest of it, fine. But mm. there's also the fact that, and I'm going to describe them as Donica Ryan described them. EPCR called them yeah. a delegation. Yeah. Donica Ryan, the forwards coach of La Rochelle, said, and I quote, I'm really glad that the La Rochelle fans that came with us managed to get into the ground to a behind-closed-doors game with no fans. Yes. How many fans, how many delegations? A couple of hundred, yeah. there were. I mean, they, you could hear them. Like, I don't yeah. know what it sounded like in the ground, but yeah. you could hear them yeah. uh, I, look, on television. They, it came across that there was, there was support. If there is a way to get people into the ground by renaming them a delegation, even if they're fans... I think it's to I'm do with the way that French, sure. French rugby clubs are structured where their club, their supporter-owned. Yeah, so like, so like I mean, you, they, you, they paid in. their 50-quid membership, Good. so they, they get to call I mean, themselves a delegate. The, like the pettiness of the rules, like, oh, we're just going to close it because we don't have the but, well, you can, No, but equally, sure, you so. can understand why that would yeah. infuriate. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, but I don't care. I can't speak for what Ulster coaches were thinking. All I can say is that the look on their face when they were walking around the ground and saw them in there well, cause, suggest, yeah. would suggest to me that they might not have been overly happy about well, it. Well, and if, if it had been known that... Um, Fans badge them however you want. People wearing Ulster or La Rochelle colours. If you turn up at the stadium, you will get let in. Could you imagine how many Ulstermen would be there? Well, they, they I would, think the two hundred or so, hundred and fifty or so La Rochelle well, I think would the be lesson here, out. Yeah, the lesson the lesson here is: if you want people to come to the games, which are behind closed doors, go by the club, and then you can have a delegation of 200, 300 people who are minor shareholders or, what, or, or whatever they are on a committee, and they can go anywhere. They can have the little. The little badges, they'll be fine. Do we actually know that that is the case? No, but let's make it up. (laughs) What I I will say is um, (laughs) Ulster are not blameless here because um, they did have fans in. um, Rory Best's kids. There you go. There you go. Rory Best's kids doing there. That's how I know. That's a real real scandal. Yeah, anyway, so in terms of the game, yeah, um, I think you saw something in the second half that Ulster Ulster can take moving forward. And... uh, uh, one thing I will say is, Gregory Aldrete's a good-looking man. Do you think? Yeah, oh, no, exactly that is. That, that, that that's why I mentioned this. That's exactly why I mentioned it. So I, I went. I wanted to hear what um, the guys were saying after the game. So I went to the little press room bit when the when the. He's always got a hat on though, hasn't he? So it's hard to say. Yeah, exactly. When the press were doing their thing, I, I went and listened in, and it just he's he's. A, I think partly it's that he wears a scrum cap. Partly, he's always stood next to Charles Olivon. I was going to say, yeah, doesn't help. <laughs> and Charles is doesn't help. Shadow, but he's a he's a very handsome man. Mm. Now, one of the things I I like about European Cup rugby, I've not been to a, a live game for a long time now, is unlike the Premiership, in the European Cup, they always force you to have a player. And I've been really impressed by some of the players. One of the players I was most impressed by in a post game was um, he's no longer there now, but Victor Vito. Victor Vito mm. did the press for La Rochelle. I think Sale battered La Rochelle. Of all, um, of, of all teams. So I assume that's where you saw Andre. Was it the press afterwards, or was it just something completely different? Well, I mean, I saw him at the ground, but it was when he was sat. Um, it was, oh, it, it was, wasn't in the press conference after. He wasn't. The guy oh, it was, in the, it was in. The, it was in. It was in with the press, the media. So there were French uh, traveling newspaper press. Yeah, they were Irish. I um, assumed he would be put forward because he speaks English. 
Uh, yeah, he does. He speaks. He's got a Scottish mother. Mom. Yeah, so he and, speaks both fluently. And he's well. He's that. I was looking just looking on uh, Wikipedia. Then actually, he said his dad um, was of Irish parents. Did yeah. it? His father Terence was born in Kenya to Irish parents. Is mm. uh, it has lived in and has lived in Stirling, Scotland. His mother is French. So it's his dad. Ah, ah. Wikipedia is not always 100% correct. Correct, indeed. Indeed, that is the case. But yeah. So he would be, if he stops playing for France now, in three years' time, he would be eligible for Kenya. That would be a coup. That would yeah, be for the coup. sevens. He's, he's also one of those guys that he's an incredible player. He's not massive. No, he's not. He's not he enormous. A, he's more of a guy... He's, he makes you feel like, oh, maybe... It, <laughs> maybe, maybe I could have done it. You still got a chance. To- I should have tried. I should have tried harder. I've seen it in the break. I mean, when I think of French and breaks, there's so many specimens that have played that position. Like some of the best players on the planet ever have been French and breaks from Haranordki, Pickamoles, Spark. Uh, I mean, they're just so Chabal. If you're talking Chabal, about spe- course, specimens, Chabal specimen. <laughs> Uh, and he doesn't really fit into that, but he's every bit as effective. Oh, he is. And, mm. and I think that... Low, what, slightly lower centre of Slightly lower centre of I think yeah. what that highlights is the the brain, the rugby brain on the guy, which mm. was also something you saw loads from La Rochelle. Their, their rugby smarts was amazing. Knowing, KBA? Were they talking about KBA? <laughs> no, not the KBA, actually. Thank I forgot God. about KBA. But uh, the knowing when to... Ronan O'Gara needs a little shorthand... Um, What's the word for those when you have letters? Uh, TLA, three-letter acronym. Yeah, acronym, that's it. He needs an acronym for being able to identify when you compete at a breakdown and when you just stand right uh, off. Because they, they they either did what... They they just seemed to know when to go in. They either completely stood off and went, yeah, we've lost that one, no worries. We'll, we'll hit make the next hit. Or they were all over the breakdown. That and they seemed to all have that hive mind where they'd all do it. That intelligent decision-making, I think it makes a huge, huge Massive. difference because you slow down or, or totally disrupt the ones you want to. But almost you can... If you don't focus on it at all and you get your defensive line in position, it actually doesn't matter how fast the rook speed is. Yep. You can have the fastest rook speed in the world, but if the defence is already in position, it's irrelevant. Yep. It's, yeah, it's yeah, such a, an underrated skill. I agree with that. And see the European champions do it very well. Very yeah. effectively. That so... It, I saw a tweet today, and tell me if you disagree with this, but the tweet was basically, the winner's going to be out of La Rochelle, Toulouse, Leinster. Yeah, agree, Do you think there's, there's, that. there's any danger of anybody else breaking into that top three? So I was, I was thinking about um, like the game. So there's a lot of teams. Saracens could do it if they get a good run. I definitely believe Saracens can do it. But I think against those three. So I think, let's, let's put it this way. Saracens would have probably a 25% chance, so one in four against those three. Now, if they play three of those three in the row, it's a quarter of a quarter of a quarter, which would be one sixty-fourth chance. So a very, very low chance of winning three consecutive one in four um, in a row. Yes. I don't know if it's a one in four chance, actually. I mean, I'd, I'd put it roughly that. Now, But there's, there's other teams who... Other teams are slightly higher. Probably not. Probably Saracens are the best of the rest. Tigers. Uh, English point of view, Tigers and Sale at the moment. Oh, actually. Oh, no. Tigers, S- Sale, Sale after today? No. No. I, I mean, I don't think they are likely to challenge no. anyone. Montpellier. I mean, they are French champions. They've lost one. What? They lost two of them. They lost two, yeah. I, I, they're, they're, this they're is gone. why I think the conversation has shifted, because the conversation before the tournament was French uh, teams are going to dominate. French teams plus Leinster are going to dominate. Actually, it's a bad weekend overall for French teams. I thought exactly yeah. the same thing. Exactly well, the same thing. Uh, actually, let, let's add to that list Sharks. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Because Sharks are 
when they get all of their World Cup winning stars out on the on the pitch, they've got kind of half a South African pack or more than half a South African yeah, pack. And as was someone made a really good point. I forget who, so I can't credit them. But someone someone made a really good point that the weather they get in South Africa, if it comes down to points difference, getting you a home quarter uh, home. Uh, round of 16 quarter and semi-final yes. that could potentially make a difference yeah because well, they, they are likely to get four try bonus points there's rumours rumors flying around that South Africa cannot host them any knockout games mm. I don't know why I don't know why but that's, it's on South African rugby Twitter and it's a bit of a bit of a debate about it so I don't know exactly what story is there but um, that would surprise it, me well on, on that would surprise me it, it would, wouldn't. It would surprise me. You would think we would have learnt that by now. But just let's well, pro- well, nothing surprises me. Let's just like anymore. let's quickly zoom out from the from the bird's eye view of it for a second because we've got the fact that whether we agree on the odd team or not, we've got three, four, maybe four. We've got four teams that we're saying are going to win this competition out of twenty four that are in it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's really down to three based on what I've seen. I think Saracens yeah. have got a very slim chance. Well, you say well, you saying sharks in that though? Leinster. To, oh yeah, actually, sorry, yeah, yeah. Sharks, yeah let's four let's say sharks. sharks. May, yeah. Maybe the full five if you are generous and include Saracens in that. So you've got four teams that we think are going to win it. We've got um, teams putting out Premiership Cup level Gloss, sides. Gloucesters was a Premiership Cup level team. Yeah, definitely. The the one positive in that is that. Well, those lads will get experience that Jake Pledry played 80 minutes yep. and that actually after they beat Racing 42-10, 57-nil doesn't sound that bad <laughs> with the team they put out. With the team they put out, yes. Uh, Jake Pledry, I've, so I read his name in the, at the start and then I, I watched this game. Yeah, I can't actually remember seeing Jake Pledry a single time. It was interesting that George Skivington said it, it's, he described the fact that Jake Pledry was out on the pitch as sheer... Like bloody mindedness, <laughs> stubbornness. He said most most other people bless would, you would would have retired. Yeah, he nearly lost his leg at one point. Oh, it's God. horrendous. Yeah, yeah. he's been speaking God. to him about this in the North Dorset Sevens over a year ago, and it's only he was already out for about six months before that. Yeah. So, so the fact he's even on the field at all sounds like a remarkable thing. It's a bit like Fair play to him. Uh, Christian Wade was never going to be a um, an NFL running back, but the fact that he suited up and ran out, gave it a go, even did one down for a. In a, in a pre-season game was remarkable it's yeah. the fact that Jake Pelledry's out on the field at all is amazing now, I, does, hope, it, I hope he can recover let's some, just go back to this game right? what was Gloucester's reasoning for this debacle uh, so again another DOR being very open and honest about things he said George Skivington said that they this next week so from today Gloucester were going to be off until the new year okay their, their premiership bye week was Christmas week which was that's an absolute blinder so his team all booked holidays. They now have Leicester Tigers on Christmas Eve in the Premiership. Okay. With the rearranged Wasps Worcester fixtures, the first Ed Slater Cup that'll be as well. Okay. And so from having two weeks off after Leinster to having back to back to back games and having to have his team uh, have his players cancel holidays that they'd planned for Christmas. Um, he's just made that call, and I think I actually think it was a smart call. It's not good for the competition, but it's just what you think about it. It's not good for rugby. Gloucester, is it? No, it's not good for rugby. But Gloucester send their first team to to Dublin. What's the likely outcome? Yeah, it's, it's still a bonus point win for Leinster. Bonus point win for Leinster. Zero for Gloucester. I don't like. Okay, I don't like that attitude at all because Gloucester have to go there thinking they can win. It's not good enough to be in the Champions Cup and not thinking thinking that you can win. So I'll just 
go back to the days where the Champions Cup was a real com- uh, competition. Um, Sale were never going to win that comp, ever. But they managed to fight their way to whatever it was, fifth, uh, seventh or fifth or whatever it was for that year. And even though they didn't, even though they knew they weren't going to win, for the first three or four rounds, they would put out their strongest possible team. And I just think it's... Well, it's well that's a, in... Uh, yeah, but the difference is that's in the old format. Yes. And I understand... Gloucester are working within the parameters of self-interest. Gloucester have five points already, which yeah. teams they can still teams po- qualified with seven points last Is that year. Right? Yeah. Well, I just I, don't I, like it. I, I think they want to be putting their best foot forward all the time. I, I fully understood it because Gloucester as well have got, like we said, Ulster have got a thin squad. Gloucester have got a very thin squad, and they, we we spoke about when we were doing the team previews at the start of the year. It looks like a conscious decision to have a thin squad, but that means that. A few injuries and lack of red rest weeks yeah, and is going to put you under Christmas pressure. Christmas Eve is a massive game, not just because of the Ed Slater Cup. It's fourth v fifth. Mm. It's a huge game. Yeah, so I I, I think it's sensible. I, Sadly, I, I I don't like it, but but if, I don't think George Skimmington likes it. But I think no, it's no. a smart move. If if we, the salary cap for the Premiership was back up at seven plus million pounds and Gloucester squad was much deeper and if Gloucester um, they probably are one of the clubs who could afford to to spend the full salary cap things probably would be different so who are Gloucester playing on the 29th I meant to be know. at home I don't know the reason I say this is because I'm, I'm meant to be going to watch it I think but I can't if they're that's, I mean, a, that's a five day turnaround I don't think they're playing on the 29th no it's okay, 29 29th is a Thursday oh, New Year's Eve the 31st and the 1st is New Year's is Saturday Sunday. so look, uh, on the 31st they're playing London Irish London Irish home. that's the one I'm going to watch yeah, that are they be... playing at home at home yeah. yes yeah. I'm off to King's Home to watch that it should, it should be good, good fun yeah really good yeah so yeah they've got a week New Year's Eve in Gloucester turnaround. nice uh, Cheltenham Cheltenham no, it's even nicer yeah. Gloucester even nicer. Uh, is, um, is Dimes hosting you no, uh, Jamal is hosting me. <laughs> nice. So be- You're going to be doing a, a, seeing a New Year's Eve on Twitch. Don't know. Actually, he might do some <laughs> hardcore gaming. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, wicked! What's he got planned? Got no idea yet. Is it a, is it a, an event thing, a shindig, a party, or no? I'm going down to Tottenham anyway, and I'm not going to be wasting um, an, an opportunity to go and watch some high quality rugby. Oh, yeah. Cool. So uh, yeah, what are you doing in Cheltenham? New Year's Eve stuff but oh, I, don't, nice. I have no idea what is planned family stuff so well if I can clear the diary of that that'd be phenomenal <laughs> <laughs> come on Jamal help a man out yeah exactly um, he will he will yeah nice o- always comes good very cool uh, just one one last thing I want to mention on the Ulster game which I won't take credit for this because I saw it on Twitter but I can't remember who said it the crossfield kick from um, McCloskey to Dwayne Vermarlin must be the heaviest successful <laughs> crossfield <laughs> kick combination ever executed for a try. That was awesome. It was cla- Vermaelen had some wheels. I can't believe he got there. Fair play. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, it was um, a few years ago now, and uh, Aaron Aaron Major. Have I made that? No, it is Aaron Major who co- coached uh, t- Tigers. Mm. I was told. No, I can't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> how can I? How can I rephrase that? Okay, I was expecting second rows to start scoring more tries uh, okay. because there was a phase of putting second rows on the wing on attacking ball for crossfield kicks. Yeah. So I suspect, actually, he was fly half as Freddie Burns. So Freddie Burns is, is too light. But Don Barrow's a pretty hefty lad. Yeah. So throwing Don Barrow onto the wing, that never really caught on that. Limited. Yeah. Limited appeal. It's like but, when they, um, I'll say the one, it's like when 
the press were calling for Will Greenwood to go up in the line-out. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there are a few teams who do that. Um, London Irish have done it with uh, Van Ransburg a few times. Oh, in the line-out? Yeah, yeah, j- jumping in the line-out. Not seeing that at all. Yeah. I bet he's got a background as a flanker or something. Probably. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a hefty boy. I'm, I'm going to jump to an email from Don Fletcher. Oh, Con- yes, please. Contact headchasers at gmail.com. I love this. Hi, fellas. Pod like blah. Uh, I have a theory about clubs in Europe, and I thought you'd be interested in. Uh, in short, the more likely a club believes it is to win the title, the more traditional their kit will be. Look at, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Look at Leinster, Munster, Toulouse, etc. All wear nice, traditional, timeless kits that will age well in the pictures around the ground. On the other hand, look at Gloucester and Ospreys, for example, two god-awful kits that are made purely for commercial gain in the safe knowledge the team won't be standing on the top of the step this season. As a Quinns fan, we've had some pretty wild European kits, but I'm pleased to see we think we're back to the uh, pleased to see we are back to the classic, which means we think we have a fighting chance. The only exception to this, dare I call it Fletcher's Law, is Exeter. Exeter. I was just going to say Exeter. Exeter, who wore Exeter. that horrific lilac kick when yeah. they won it, and I'm sure had their, they had if it, they had their time again, would be wearing something were they more not, But they were wearing that this weekend. They were wearing some, pink this weekend. Yeah, it was lilac then, pink now. The I thought it was orange when they won it. They've obviously just only got the one... They, when they went down to the, the kit manufacturers, they only had the one colour chart. Yeah, uh, the, that one. The, the reds, pinks, and, and uh, lilacs. I, so on that, I will just mention... Um, Ospreys who got a great win against Montpellier away that was that was probably result of the round yeah I do probably, we need to talk was, about but that was that must be that, I was think, watching that game thinking this could be the worst two kits I've ever seen yeah because that Montpellier kit is awful it is which it's one like a in? soft orange with like a dark blue trim so it's Mont- hideous Montpellier's home kit is an inspiring to put it mildly mm. that Orange kit. I know the one you're talking about is horrendous. It's oh, it's like a pastely orange, Last like a year, washed. Oh, they had like a green awful. kit, like a racing green kit, and it's beautiful. Mm. So, I like basically bold regal kind of colours. Just but on mm. the, on the traditional point, I totally agree. And I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of things that are traditional. I'm like a, a massive tanker when it comes to changing my opinion. I'm, mm. I will get there in the end. But it takes it takes a long time to turn me around. I, I'm not remotely even close to turning around on the don't want South African teams in the European Cup. Yep. Uh, don't like the current uh, pool format. Although yep. I don't believe there is a silver bullet, um, which is mm. the, the one caveat there. On kits, I will not budge. Uh, it is Exeter have if that's the only time Exeter ever win the European Cup, they're not in traditional extra colours that that team have worn tragedy that's, that's the that's, that's the winning it's it abs- yeah God, Phil's just shown awful. a picture of them stood in the lilac kit champions 2020 it's uh, I love the club I'm so happy they got there uh, that that picture well, that kit is a disgrace who's wearing a kit at the moment which is not what I'd say traditional although it's got a traditional look but it's not traditional to them I would say I think it's the nicest kit in the competition by a country mile it's Rassing Rassing's kit is lovely oh. mm. Oh. White with sil- all silver detail. That was just that's such a lovely choice. Well, you, you've got to it? you've got to play better rugby than they have yeah. done so far in the tournament. Yeah, to deserve that. Yeah, because we that's that's if we'd have had that conversation about who are the likely winners. Well, we did last week. The, we have, and, and, and even after yeah and yeah, yeah. we would have discussed. We would have mentioned Racing, but no. Yeah, well, they can still go through, but they're just not going to be dominant, are, are they? They're going to have a very tough route to the final. They're, very they're tough. in trouble. They've got to go. To Leinster, so they're going to get nothing there. You would, you would imagine. Yeah, because Leinster will want to top. They'll they'll want uh, 
four or five point wins to mean that they guarantee the easiest um, or not the, only theoretically that, easiest Leinster if they have a, a really good pull run which I gather that I, I expect them to in their four games Gloucester away will be their last away game mm. in the whole oh, yes. competition yeah because <laughs> where's the final or is it the, the Aviva is it the Aviva Oh my god! So they play every every <laughs> game of the trying, Aviva. To be fair to them, they are trying everything to win this. They're yeah. even moving the final to Aviva. They're not going to win it. They won't win it. <laughs> Gary Ringrose, they're probably good. Gary Ringrose, my god, he's good. Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. Okay, they I, th- I thought Caelan Doris was. Oh, he was amazing. immense. He was awesome. Yeah, let's not talk about him because they were. They were. They <laughs> were got this play- thing against Leinster. You add this to your they playing Leinster team. team. They weren't playing. Playing. They were playing a terrible team. But I think this is probably part of Gloss's plan. Allow Leinster to do Leinster things. Let them think they're brilliant. Get them into the deep water of the semi-finals when Gloss to see them again, <laughs> and uh, absolutely smash them. Yeah, yeah. Bring catch up- them cold. Bring out an Ackerman and an Atkinson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And classic, a classic England ladies win thirty on the bounce, lose the big one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. They look ominous. That's all I will say. Now, did anyone watch the Saracens game? They're no. another, another team that you were watching Saracens. I think I was watching Leicester. Was the Leicester Claremont? Leicester. I was watching Leicester. Yes. Yeah, Saracens Leon was a good game. It was. I tell you one thing. It was spicy. They were really going for Owen Farrell. Well, some really interesting comments midweek from oh, ex Saracens Lock, Jonathan. Uh, Kapoku. Kapoku, Joel, yeah. yeah Joel? Joel or Jonathan? Is it Joel or Jonathan? Joel's the one that's at uh, the French team. No, no, they, they, they both are. Is it Leon? One's at no, Bordeaux. Leon, yeah, Leon. One's uh, at Bordeaux, one's at Leon, I think. Uh. So the, the, I think they're both gone now. But he wasn't particularly. He wasn't particularly. Um, well, he wasn't praising Saracens. Let's let's put, put it that way. So I think he was in the Times this week or the Telegraph. They had an interview with him, basically describing it as quite a cliquey environment, somewhere that he didn't enjoy being. First time I've ever heard that from anyone that's left Saracens. Usually, it's full of full of praise. Well, mm. I would say that is a very, based on what I've heard from people, that's very much an outlier. Yeah, very I, I would sure. tend to agree. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Mm. But still interesting. interesting. Yeah, the system that isn't working for everybody. Well, no, can any system? Probably not. Mm. But especially it, when he's in, he, he, we're talking the 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 outlier is someone who was in a position of ridiculous levels of strength and depth at that club. Yeah. Yes, I think just reading that article between the lines. Well, it's not that much between the lines, but he does mention it. He continued to be con- compared to Mario Otoji, and that's mm. a difficult place to be, isn't it? It is a very difficult place to be. If you're nearly a generational ta- talent behind the generational talent, yeah. that's, that's always going to be tough. Uh, but this this game was very interesting. Saracen scored two tries early on from uh, Jamie George off the back of a uh, driving mall and then a lovely Ben Earl try from uh, Faz kind of draw, show and go, and then pop Earl through a gap. But then Leon, so Saracens go, whatever it was, 15 points to nil up. And then Leon just came back into it. Two tries from the loose head prop, including uh, one run, him running a 20-yard one out on the wing. And it was very, very spicy. Like, um, they were targeting Faz, and he got riled up a little bit. Um, referee gave a couple of decisions against him. Um, one which was right, which led to a try. Uh, and one which, conveniently, the French... 
um, TV producer could not find an angle of. I'm sure uh, he was trying his hardest. Phil. I think it was Sean Maitland getting. There's. Have you seen the Werner Cox suplex? Yeah. Yes. So it looked like something like that happened, and there was no replay at oh, all God, that available. Poor, that, that TV director would have been—he would have been maybe fretting. Uh, Give me more camera angles. Yeah. He'd be desperately asking for them. Maybe they had the same camera maintenance team as the guys looking after the cameras in the uh, Epstein cell. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same software they use. Same is there, yeah. 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 I don't know why people use that firm, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but Saracens. They scored a fantastic try from Maitland from, from a cross field kick from Jamie George or a grubber kick through from Jamie George galloping through midfield for Maitland to score. And then Alec Clary got a red card with about 15 minutes left, uh, a, c- a correct red card. Um, and Saracens managed to grind it out and get what, what was actually a very good It looked like it'd be quite comfortable early on, but it was actually a very good win away at Leon. Yeah. Well, that's a really good win. They yeah. did, mm. dug deep for that one. Leicester, Cle- Leicester, Leicester, Claremont. To my eyes, for most of it, Leicester looked relatively comfortable. Uh, a couple of points of note: Dan Cole's three hundredth game. Yes, I did see that. It's rather cool, is it not? It's very cool. Um, very, very. Charlie cool. Atkinson seems to be one of Leicester's best finds, and I think he's going to be one of the best finds in a long, long time. I don't know what they're paying him, but I can't imagine it is exactly what Charlie Atkinson would have wanted if he was to move clubs, if that makes sense. If he came to his, the natural end of his Wasps contract and moves somewhere, yeah. else I suspect this young man would be on a lot of money. He works so well for Leicester because what Leicester are missing is that link between what they have now and then the next generation, a young fly-off. He fits that bill perfectly and he's playing pretty well. Not, not great yet, not the finished article, but I think he's going to be, in the future, super valuable to, to, to Tigers. And he also linked up pretty well with um, your boy, uh, Dan Kelly. Mm. I love Dan Kelly. He's good, isn't mm. he? Good. Well, but, the, actually, the, what I did see from that game with those two linking up was the try-stopping tackle on the yes. on the 15. Yes. That was unbelievable. It was. And, and it was the two of them as well, wasn't it? That uh, was phenomenal. Tigers need to be a little bit worried. I, I thought their scrum came under a bit, of, a bit of pressure. And, you know, you'd say that's okay, these things happen occasionally. But after they got smashed by the Ospreys in, in the first half in the scrum, in the scrum, they rotate their front row and they still get smashed. Yeah, they might need to look at that a little, a little bit more closely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty good win. Pr- pr- pretty good win. A disappointing performance from Claremont, who came with a decent team, actually. And, yeah. uh, at times, played some OK rugby. <laughs> what, a pre- what a bit of praise there. Yeah. Backhanded compliment, if ever there yeah. was one. Um, I'll tell you what, let's just have a, a brief little uh, break because I cannot believe how many emails we got with the subject title, The Bitter End. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I've not amazing. been on the emails this week, so I don't know what's, what's happened. So many. So um, we rambled on for the best part of two hours last week, and <laughs> we, we said flippantly at the end, I can't, I, I'm, I can't believe anyone's still listening to this. In fact, let's, let's put it to the test. Email us with the words, The Bitter End, uh, if you're... If you're still reading this, and that that was also during a little ramble about naval slang that we use yeah. in everyday yeah. vernacular, uh, and Ben Tadman was one of the people that emailed. Thank you, Ben. Contact chases at gmail dot com. So these are some of the navy slang. Just shout if you want an explanation of any of them. Um, three square meals a day, or nice. square square meals. They used to eat on square plates. Yes, okay. Uh, on the fiddle. On the fiddle. That sounds like you're on, on a fiddle. 
Um, is it to do with an actual fiddle, as in a violin, or is it to... The square plates had a lip around them called the fiddle to stop your food from sliding off during rough weather. Oh, so why would you nice. be on the fiddle? If a sailor slopped too much food from the communal pot onto his oh. plate and it leaked over the lip, he was said to be on the oh. fiddle. Which what was a, a scumbag. Which was a flogging offence, which leads on to let the cat out of the bag. Cat, cat of nine tails. Cat right. of nine tails. So if, yeah, exactly. Um, so that if you let the cat out of the bag, you've done something wrong. No room to swing a cat. Okay. Comes, okay, because yeah, yeah, cat and nine tails. comes from the same thing. Yeah, uh, three sheets to the wind. Same thing with the sails. Uh, the phrase was often used by sailors to describe someone who was drunk, rather worse for wear, and probably not in full charge of their faculties, which is what we mean by it today. Mm. Okay. Sheets was the name given to the ropes that control the corners of the sails. If these catch in the wind, the sail could flap loose and sh- the ship lose momentum, potentially taking its crew out. So, uh, long shot. Cannons or something. Yeah. Yep. Um, firing a warning shot, shot across the bows. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Pretty true colours. Yep. A uh, ship's flag is known as its colours. Yep. Naval etiquette allowed a, a ship to fly neutral or enemy colours, false colours, so they could get close to their target. Um, However, as soon as, oh, as soon as the battle was joined, like as soon as the battle was joined and shots fired, they would have to hoist their national flag, true colours, back up the mast. Good. I I like the fact that there was you know war has always been brutal and horrible, but there's there's but a it little, sounds fun, doesn't it? A bit more honour. Uh, back in the day, wasn't there? Well, I tell you what. You, we'll, we'll, we'll be naughty, but then we'll tell you we've been naughty. Yeah. Well, watch the very harrowing and disturbing, uh, yet very interesting film about the First World War. Have you seen the colourised one? Uh, 1970. Yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So it starts in black and white. And you think, I'm sure I've sold this as colourised. Anyway, it does colourise eventually. But one of the things which is most jarring about the whole oh, what, thing... What, what is it you're saying? Sorry, I missed what you said. It's uh, the film 19... Oh, that is incredible. I went, to, I went to watch that in a little cinema in, in London, and I, I found it really emotional. Would you like to know actually. where I watched it? Where did you watch it? I watched it in the Imperial War Museum. Oh, that's incredible. With, that, the, head, with the head of Space Force, Paul Godfrey. When it, cha- <laughs> when it, when it changes to, to the colourised thing and you just see those fellas walk, it's, it's actually really quite something. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. But the thing which got me, and it probably got you as well, is... The commentary from the men that fought at the start saying how much they enjoyed it. Yeah. It's like, I quite enjoyed the war. Yeah. And, you know, it's just one of those things that men like to be in teams doing shit. The stoicism of. Um, I, I know they call the great generation. Uh, it's, that's more an American phrase, isn't it? For the Second yeah, World War Second generation. World war. But in uh, this case, but those, those First World War, Second World War men, there's just. We don't know we're born, do we? Well, we the, don't know we're born. The harrowing part 100%. is not so much the war. But it was condition the men came into the army, and they gave you a breakdown of what their food was, which is like a thin meat stew, and then jam and bread. And these guys were putting on ten pounds, so God knows what shape they were arriving in. Mm. I mean, that is the that's the that, that, that's the cruel part. Um, Gavin Doyle has also emailed, and just to leave uh, this, big uh, Gav. Uh, he's emailed with an attachment, which I'm going to play. He said uh, it, it's it's seafaring related. Ooh. Do this. Let's hear from Gav. Contact Chasers at, at gmail.com. I don't know what this is. But... Ahoy, mateys. If times have left you high and dry, or you find yourself all at sea, mm-hmm. drop anchor and set sail with the Egg Chasers crew of Cocker, Phil, and JB. <laughs> if the flotsam and jetsam of life has you caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, hoist the mizzen, toll the line, and batten down the hatches. With Cocker, Phil, and JB. If you're feeling blue or ready to keel over and you face into another choppy week, get Monday's ship shape and in Bristol fashion with the musings of Cocker, Phil, and JB. 
Other pods try to make wave, give them a wide berth. They'll have you down in the doldrums, believe me. Instead, knock seven bells and 52 weeks out of the year ahead. With Cocker, Phil and JB. <laughs> Very good. I, I will listen to the rest of that, Gav. That was outstanding. Amazing. Thank you. So, so, so he's weaving, weaving all the nautical uh, slang into... Yeah. Uh, and I will... Amazing. Uh, I'll give all the email addresses to Phil to put into a spreadsheet and generate a... Um, a, w- a winner of a prize. Yep. Yes. So, um, thank you very much. And I we'll, will announce, we'll announce the prize on next week's pod. Uh, but if you win, you will get an email uh, in the next day or two. So um, let's go with this then, shall we? Sale got taught a bit of a lesson today. They certainly did. An yeah. absolute lesson. Which is a shame because I, watching this game, this might sound like the most stupid thing I'm going to say all day. And that's a high bar. What, Ant- or are low you going to say Antoine Dupont's good at rugby? No, I think the return game in the AJ Bell is going to be much, much closer. I think Sale will learn a lot from this. Because in the start, I think Sale matched up pretty well. Certainly physically. I I can't quite put my finger on what Toulouse did to dismember them quite as badly as as they eventually did do. But I think it's going to be a much closer game when Sale... Yeah, I'd I'd go along that. It It is interesting when you choose your weapon of choice to be and this is this is a bit harsh on um is Paul Deacon is that isn't it uh, Paul, uh, Paul Deacon yeah, yeah. Paul Deacon the attacker it's a bit harsh on him I'm not I'm not criticizing it but when you choose your instrument as a a blunt club which sale sales is it is at the moment yeah. we're, we're we're giant men and we're going to bully you and it's very effective when you cannot use that weapon or it doesn't or you you, you strike with that weapon it doesn't have the impact it usually does then it's, it's quite hard to go well, what what now well yeah exactly right they're built to beat up premiership teams mm-hmm. and they've tried this trick with La Rochelle and apparently look I'm no rugby coach but apparently they lost that because they were not emotional enough <laughs> I think they weren't physical enough what do I know <laughs> um, uh, and then the same has happened today really I, I thought they matched them physically where they got cut to, cut to ribbons is when Toulouse decided not to play that game and they started moving the ball well and moving it wide and the offloading it was I think the offloading yeah, but, it wasn't it wasn't very slick the offloading it wasn't like Sonny Bill Williams breaking the line off no, it was more no. like but it was, draw, it was drawing multiple men a great one was the Charlie Faumaina one yeah. uh, I can't remember who scored where they break down the right hand side but he's he's held up there's two tacklers there a third tackler comes in and he just pops like it's an ugly looking offload out the top but he sucked three defenders in for, for one man. And LaBelle, I think it's LaBelle, one of the wingers, Winger. runs sideways. And for life, you think they're going to just keep moving the ball wide. And he pops it back inside and the sail, the sail defence are not covering. Because I don't think in the premiership they're used to seeing such, you know, uh, invent, not inventive rugby, but such risk-taking rugby. Mm. You just don't see lads in the, in the premiership run sideways in their own 22 on the wing. Mm. Or, or is it the? Is it inventive or risk, or is it intelligent and skillful? It might be intelligent, it might be skillful, it might be. I mean, I think there's an element the, of all of all those things. Actually, def- there's definitely the offloading does create higher risk, but it's higher risk, higher reward. It's when it goes well, mm. you get the rewards. When it doesn't, you concede. Weirdly, it reminds me of how Sale likes to play against other Premiership teams. So you don't think of the Duprees as particularly skillful offloaders. I certainly don't. They do offload the ball an awful lot because yeah. they're physically dominant. When you're over the game line, you can afford to throw offloads that hit one in five times, uh, and it's fine. And that's kind of what uh, Toulouse did, but on a more consistent basis. I mean, their offloading game was far better. I don't think it's quite as edgy. It certainly wasn't 
breaking the game like a bit like Phil says it's sort of drawing guys in mm. uh, there was a beautiful bit of I don't know it, it, the way they scored the try down the wing with um, Entomac holding the ball with one hand whilst conducting the orchestra around him was quite yeah. to see yeah and um, I, w- I was watching this game thinking is, is Entomac that good or is it just the fact that he's got the best player in the world playing nine? I don't know. I, I don't. I, know. I think I think he is a good player, but I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's that much better than say like, someone you mentioned before, like Charlie Atkinson. Yeah, I think. I, I think he's got. He's, he's got obviously more experience, both at club and international level. He's a few years older. I think he's a good player, but he's, he's just a, got amazing players around him. He's a great all-round player. Oh, he's he a is, great yeah. all-round player, and he's a great athlete as well. Is he? Does he have the like the tactical acumen of a? Barrel or a Ford or one of the specialist French tens. I don't. Yeah, think he probably has or, or Sexton. Yeah, but then again, and does he have the outright flair as someone like uh, Finn Russell? Maybe not, but who does? Yeah, um, you know that that breakdown the wing and sail where he's doing all, all, all of his magic reminds me of. And I, if it's not him, it's still be embarrassing. But did they not do something similar to the All Blacks down the wing? Him and someone else from their own dead ball line. Oh France. yes, yeah, yeah. That was just a more a marvelous thing. So yeah, they, they tend to do quite a lot of that. Yeah, um, actually, that was incredible. Was that against the All Blacks? Yeah, I think it, it was against, against the All Blacks. Blacks yeah. yeah, I can't remember yeah. who the other player involved was. It might have been Ramos. Yeah, I think it, I, Ramos seems to be ringing the bell. I wonder if it is Ramos at all. Actually. Ramos, who might not be playing for a while yeah. after that uh, yeah. last minute incident. What did you? Yeah. He, he had a, such a good game. He's such a good player. I don't know yeah. why. He, ju- he he clearly just lost it. I mean, it didn't do any damage. But that's that's a ten week ban. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's, uh, it should be Six Nations could be gone. Well, mo- yeah, it could well be. It could well be. Um, as I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be reduced uh, for some reason, so it just expires as the Six Nations. Well, let's begins. hope so. Let's <laughs> yeah. absolutely hope that that happens. As for sale, um, they will learn. Their bench was not strong enough or good enough. Mm. Not, not not even close. Uh, I really liked how Gus War handled the game. Uh, you know, he's got a very difficult task because Dupont was super, super sublime he is playing against the best player on the planet yeah, like Dupont I, is that even the, when he's not playing well he pops up for two tries I mean I'm not saying I, he played poorly he didn't but he wasn't the absolute best Dupont that I've seen he still scored two tries he is I really think he's just a different level like I was thinking about him versus so Aaron Smith for the last 10 years has been the best scrum half in the world you've had a little you've had a couple of years where Faf was the best okay, but good. consistently Aaron Smith has been the standard but DuPont just does everything better than Aaron Smith well, but, and the things which <laughs> make me, maybe his passes yeah, not the cool, things which make DuPont the best scrum half are also the things that make him the best rugby player because it's the, the knack of being the support runner in the right place at the right time it, it, it's happened so often Oh yeah, the, it, it's him. Yeah, yeah, it's him. It's, it's not. Him. It's not a team system thing. No, it's no. just the way he reads the game and the way he understands what's going on and can anticipate is is just ridiculous. Yeah, you can look. I, I guess the way I describe him is you look at every aspect of his game, and there'll be someone in the world who is equally as good as him at that aspect. Aaron Smith's passing, Danny Kerr's support lines, but he seems to, to, to do it all. But no one else is. I don't think anyone else in world rugby is as good as him at reading and yeah. fe- feeling the game. So I would say his his unique skill is his strength his strength is for, yeah. for mm. not a big bloke by rugby standards he is unbelievable the, the number of like, um, dominant tackles that he puts in against forwards and the number of times where 
he he gets the ball that he's not expecting. He's got two men on him, and he will like shrug them off and work his way out. He's of got trouble. like the energy of Faf, the you know, the physicality of Faf. He does the sport lines of care. He's got passing of Smith. He's got. All, the all hard these. running lines of uh, Manu Tuolagi and Lamapi <laughs> combined. Well, the current Manu Tuolagi, maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he is unbelievable. Yeah, so Sale had a bit of a, a bit of a shock today. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Oh, I thought Byron McGregor was excellent. Mm. I thought some of his high balls were absolutely superb. Of course, he got an ELO card, and actually across the board, Sale will have to look at that because that's a real big problem. They, they spent 30 minutes with 14 men. Not good enough. Yeah, Akko or Flaherty. Let's just like bird's eye view the competition for a second. We're not going to too much depth, but just say, have you changed your opinion last week on the competition as a whole? Because I think it's only intensified what we were saying last week on the format and it's not really... It's been the narrative yeah. of this season's competition so, so I far. I think there's a handful of games that I've really enjoyed and therefore I'm talking about it with more enthusiasm. By yesterday, someone asked me, how, how was the rugby? And I said, it was a waste of time. Too many one-sided results. But I really enjoyed the sale game. And I quite enjoyed... What's the other game? Like? Racing Quins? Yeah, Racing Quins. So I enjoyed those two. So a little bit more more positive on it. And second weekend, uh, yeah. It, it needs to go back to your, your the, format. Uh, I don't... The, the, the thing that rankles with me most is it just doesn't feel special or elite enough. No. And the format is the reason why George Skivington made the right decision because he's already got five points in the bag and he could they could mm. qualify with five points, potentially. But eight eight premiership teams are in it out of ten. Or, actually, you know, because some of them were Wasp. No, no, no. Eight premiership teams are in it out of ten, aren't they? Yeah, because Wasp haven't yeah, they disappeared weren't. and Worcester haven't disappeared. There's no... There's no- Cancelled or postponed it's just, Bath and Bristol, just Bath and Bristol that are the other ones that aren't in it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and Newcastle. Newcastle. Uh, so maybe seven. Uh, no, no, eight. So eight Premiership. I think seven or eight Premiership teams are in it. <laughs> eight out of the twelve teams in each pool get through yeah. to the round of sixteen. It's just not good enough. It, so the competition is going to be awesome when we get to the knockout. And yeah. I and I wonder if and there's a lot of people been going. Well, what about this as a pool structure? Maybe it should go back to the old one. Do you know what I'd quite like? the potential of is a straight knockout sorry it, it is Bath, Bristol and Newcastle because there's 11 teams in the Premiership yeah, of course correct correct. Um, so I'd quite like a, a straight knockout with all teams in all top leagues in yeah this that'd be that'd be brilliant losers and you could seed it some way based on your league position losers go down to the Challenge Cup and possibly even losers of the second round go round to the Challenge Cup and play the teams that are still in it potentially, so yeah. you so you get, and it could be yeah. ho- it could be knockout straight away, home and away. So you guaranteed a yeah, home game uh, each time. Then you're only guaranteed one home game, not two. Uh, but yeah, I, well, no, because then you go down to the Challenge Cup. Oh uh, yeah, true. So true. you, so you, yeah, you could you could find it away because at find the moment, away. teams are only guaranteed two home games. Yeah, you could you could do that. You could find a way to guarantee. Imagine the games. drama from from game one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. Um, as for. And the, sorry, just on that as well. The other thing that I've been saying for a long time, and I saw Mark Evans, uh, very good rugby thinker, mention it this week. You, you need to have, you need to block out time so you have a domestic window, a European window, an international window. Yeah, it's already kind of done in the Southern Hemisphere. There's there has to be a way of getting the clubs, the unions, the the bodies all on board to achieve that and then you get the consistent narrative so you know what you're playing for you can have JB some point that you've made in the past you can have teams recruiting for specific competitions yep. so like when um, 
Wellington versus Hurricanes play in the um, Mighty Cup or, or ITM Cup or um, Super Rugby, they will have slightly different teams. Have. Some players are going to go up to internationals and some players will come through on the lower level, similar with um, kind of former Curry Cup and mm. um, Super Rugby in South Africa. It would just make... It, it's, it will be a nightmare to get it agreed. But once you do it, it will make such a better, more coherent and consistent competition that can be better sold to the fans. Yeah, I agree with that. And the, the other thing which is, which is the case now, that what didn't used to be the case, is the, the squad size that clubs in the Champions Cup are allowed to select before the tournament is 50. <laughs> wow. So if you change that to 30, yeah. that changes things entirely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just looking at the table. I mean, what have London Irish and Northampton Saints brought to proceedings? Not much. Uh, Should they even be there? No. London Irish, did you see any? Because London Irish. The, the, a team that were, finishes eighth in the Premiership should not be in the Champions Cup. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. The, yeah. the best thing about the. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, Stormers versus London Irish game. Well, the best thing is London Irish going partying in Cape Town. <laughs> and no doubt they will do that. I have no doubt they will do that. The second best thing, have you seen that number eight, um, Stormers number eight, Daimani? Mm. Absolute wheel. He's so fast. He's, no, I've never even heard of him. He scored a. He, so he, he was lively, set up. Oh, OHC would have struggled to catch him. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's rapid. Well, ben Loader was coming across, yeah. but couldn't get there. Um, he absolutely rapid when he got him put into space. And he, he made a nice little break for one of the second rows yeah. tries as well. Do you know what we have to One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Talk about. Um, we could we could talk about this and then go into Quinn's Racing, which was a great result for oh. Quinn's. Um, Finn Russell signed for Bath million a year. Confirmed. I, I mean... It's such a Bruce Craig signing. It's, a dreadful it's not. Signing, it's not a Johan Van Graan signing. That, <laughs> no. is that is all. That is Bruce all over. It, it feels like he's gone into Van Graan's office. And said, "I've got a massive surprise for you." Yeah, <laughs> Happy Christmas. And he's expecting a Porsche or something. No, or he's like, expecting like six um, South African second row, oh. back, second <laughs> yes. row, back row combinations. What have you got me, Finn Russell? Oh. So um, yeah, it, a million quid. Wow. He's, a, he's worth a million quid to somebody. He's, he, yeah. Not Bath. Just, yes. So, so here's one conversation. Finn Russell's incredible, and, and, and I'm so glad he's in the Premiership. What a, what a coup for the Premiership. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't help thinking, having seen him play really well this weekend, and knowing that he would have loved to have been near South Wales, Dan Bigger, I'm absolutely certain if Bath wanted a tent, he would he would have signed for Bath. I no, am, he wouldn't have. I would, no, I, I guarantee you, Dan no. Bigger... Dan Bigger would have signed for Bath. Oh, no, he would have, but he couldn't, couldn't have happened. because he's can't. You can't pay me a million pounds. Oh yeah. So it, you know, I, I think you're right. I definitely think Bath would have Dan Bigger. I, I know that it would be a great sorry, fit. I know that, Bath that would, that have would Dan be Bigger. the perfect fit. Yeah, yeah. 
That's what that's what Bath need. But they they made that mistake however many years ago when a uh, bigger sign for Northampton. Yeah, I, I love that. So what you need is done bigger. Okay, just let me go away and think about it, and I'll come back with a solution. Finn Russell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Let's uh, see if we can work this one out. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fantastic to watch. Uh, I imagine this Finn Russell, Max Ajomo. Yes, as a ten twelve, you're loving that, aren't you? I am actually. Uh, that will be that will be very very cool. I mean, the fact that Max Ajomo is not getting much game time at the moment um, doesn't make me t- think too highly of Van Grant personally. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, on a serious note. Bath are so stacked in the bath. Uh, um, in the bath. In the back. <laughs> well, hello. Uh, hey. Well, hey. Uh, yeah, they've got loads of options. You're not getting invited to Farley House again. I can't. <laughs> Where's JB gone? Oh, yeah. he's, oh, he's in the showers. Oh, okay. I reckon that Finn Russell will be the player that they wanted Danny Cipriani to be. Yes. That would be. Oh, he's okay. going to do better than, he's gonna do better than Cipriani because Cipriani's had a horrible time at Bath. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he was not the right fit. There wasn't the right time for either party. But just stick with what you've got. I mean, I'll never I mean, understand that. Some clubs you would say, oh, that re- they'll get a bunch of that money back with season tickets. But they don't need to. Yeah, they, they sell out every time anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's great for the Premiership. And it, it, I love it. It's incredibly and exciting. And Phil's a good guy. I'm uh, uh, Phil? So, Phil. Phil is a good guy. I, Finn, thank you. Finn is a great guy. And uh, I'm happy. He's he'll, he'll enjoy it. Why, Why would he want to move? He's in such a good position. Rassing. So I, I was thinking about this before. Rassing wants a big player, don't they? I mean, that's what they live for, a big player. I wonder who they're going to di- dip into the who market st- for. Who Stu is going to dip into the market for. Oh, Do you reckon? Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder whether Stuart Lancaster went. So we have to, we're have we going to have to stump up a million if we want to keep Finn. Nah. Well, yeah, that's a good point. And they've already done. They've already had a, a go-around with Johnny Sexton once. So it's not him at the end of his career. Or maybe it is. I know who he's going to sign. Faz. Nope. Um, go on Fly da- half Dan Lancaster Dan Lancaster yes. <laughs> Take me to Dan Lancaster <laughs> Got it Take me to the <laughs> promised land Dan Absolutely but N- they, they Million pounds be, a year They will be in for a big name And it has oh, to yeah. be one of the biggest Well uh, Bowden Barrett After the next World Cup That's exactly what I'm thinking um, Richard Munger Munger could be Owen Farrell after the World Cup Is a shout Could be Yeah actually Faz might fancy one more World Cup yeah, it's thirty-one. It's thirty-one. They'll be th- yeah, thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah, and there's a lot of young English talent which needs to have a go. Mm. A lot. So yeah, Johnny lot. Sexton's thirty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not happening. I don't think that's happening because they've already been there once. It's not going to excite the fan base. No, no, no. Oh, I mean, no, I, know, not, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean. Oh, sorry. Owen Farrell being thirty-one, maybe thirty-two 30 after the World Cup is yeah. not is yeah. not an issue. Yeah, it's not a big deal for fly offs. I don't think. No. Yeah, but he's yeah. also not a fly off for England. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is a big deal for centres because you're asked to do much more physical stuff. I think well, there's about Comrade Smith and Marnonu were like a hundred years old when yeah, they were. Yeah, but Marnonu is like a different genetic breed to everyone else. <laughs> like he 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 can still bang lads now. He can. That, that's all. That's <laughs> what he's bred he to do. He's a thoroughbred. He is. So that's completely different. I, there must be like three, maybe tops four fly halves who are big enough names to play for uh, to play for Racing. Yeah, uh, I suspect Leicester has one of them, even though I don't think it is. He right wouldn't fit. be the best, best fit. It'll probably be a Jalabert or something like that. He'll, it could he'll... be a Jalabert. I suspect it's going to be the two guys that Bowden you Barrett. Bowden Barrett or, or Richie Munger. Or I, I, see, I don't think Richie Munger will go because I think he's he's got at least another World Cup. Bodie and Rassing, that feels Bode, good. Bodie's about right. the same age as Faz. Um, or it could be D-Mac. Damn it. Mm, I don't think it's a big enough name. It's not a big enough name. They Maybe. want a starting international from somewhere. 
Maybe not. Well, D-Mac is just so talented. There's not that many the th- fact that other tens that you would... Bowden Barrett. I'd put my money on... I'd put my house on Bowden Barrett going there. Bowden. Ro- Rob Dupree with the way he's playing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Rob the Pre- yeah, Rob well, the George, no George Ford with the way that Rob the Pre's played. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good shout. Get yeah, get him off the books. <laughs> off you go, off you go, George. Actually, I've, I just let's dip into local rugby for a second. Did you play this Ooh. weekend, Jay? <sighs> we were called off. So we had two games called off. Uh, first time, first we were first team were called off against um, Winnians, uh, old Winnians. Just shame because we always have a right ding dong uh, uh, with them. They're a very, very good team, but they don't fancy playing on the 4G. And I don't know what it is about 4G. I don't know what the rules are around it. But apparently, if you don't want to play on it, you just refuse. No, that's got to be bollocks. If it's an no. RFU sanctioned 4G pitch, nope. That's just a- surely the the, uh, the away team can't. No, no, no. I'm not having that. Mm, well, it'd be awkward wouldn't if it? it's a, if it's an RFU sanctioned one because there are different. That, that's one. No, thing. it absolutely it absolutely is an RFU. That's one of the things we had to check when we played. The other week in the, the under fifteen so the other week. The answer is I don't know because surely not. A couple of things are going on here. Firstly, if you go and play against Aylesbury or Preston or Burnage, give you some clubs who have four G pitches, you don't have a choice. That's where they play the play the rugby. Best of luck. But if if you've got options, because obviously Tok H have options. Yeah, we have options, and not only do we have options, we're not in the official RFU pyramid. Although we integrate into it with promotion and relegation, we're still run by the Lancashire ADM or some such thing. So I'm not sure if the, our rules are the same as the overall RFU rules. Yeah, so what you're saying is old, old Winnians were too scared to play rugby? I wouldn't say Old Winnians are, are, as a club are scared of anything. Um, <laughs> and if you, if you go there, you'll you'll soon find out why. Uh, no, they are a tough bunch of boys, so I would not be saying that in a, um, in a hurry. You kind of did. You, you sort of did, JB. Uh, did I? <laughs> um, in not so many words. But then, it, now, if you want to talk about working-class tough clubs... That meant that we could send the second team to play. Well, you won't get many, many tougher clubs than Nutsford. So um, <laughs> I'm sure you're going to say De La Salle. No, no, no. Nutsford, of course. Nut- yeah. Nutsford in the Cheshire countryside. Yeah, with a beautiful, beautiful market town. Rolling National Cheshire parks as their back garden. Oh, yeah. yeah well, now they are, they are some tough kids. Now, um, <laughs> their first team was going to play our second team. I quite, I quite like their honesty, which was, look, we didn't think it was going to be on. We told the lads, they told the girlfriends, and we can't raise the first team. So that'll be that. So we've got the home walkover for the twos. Well, I so mean, no rugby for you. No rugby for me. Oh, oh, that's a shame. But I did fit in an extra session of CrossFit, so, you know, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. I've got yeah. an apology to make. Oh, please do. I actually got two apologies. Firstly, it was Christoph Ridley that sent the tweet replying to Gary Neville last week, not Luke Pearce. Oh, sorry, Luke okay. Pearce. So sorry, Luke Pearce. Was Luke Pearce listening? Did he pull you up on that? No comment. Huh? <laughs> I, might, I might have seen him at the Aviva yesterday, but uh, it wasn't necessarily from directly from Luke Pierce. Anyway, okay. um, second one I mentioned the under fifth brought Rafi Quirks Broughton Park under fifteen uh-huh. played Rossendale last week. I wasn't there because I was working at the Sale yep. Ulster game, and all I we were talking about the fact that the game got abandoned into the second half because one of their players headbutted one of our players, and their coach said, "Right, we're not playing." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember the on-field. I remember the on-air conversation. Very I, different to the off-air conversation. Go on, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I know Rossendale enough to, to to know they're a great club, good bunch of coaches and stuff. And I referred to the. Oh yeah, I heard about the situation. Their coach said he want he wasn't going to play anymore, and he, he wanted to go off. Well, turns out that that he was not here. The the head coach of the under 15s Rossendale, is, is called Kirsty. Mm. You know, oh, you scumbag! <laughs> that's the worst thing you've ever done. <laughs> J- 
Just uh, yeah. So I assumed when on our WhatsApp group they said the coach, uh, the uh, coach called the game. That um, I just assumed it would it would have been. I, sorry, with, even without thinking, I just said, "Oh yeah." Apparently, he said, "How we, awful of you! How awful!" So of I, I apologise, Kirsty. Yeah. Well, keep up the good word. Uh, keep up the good work. Yeah. Mm. Um, actually, that reminds me of something. Do you want to talk quickly about? I mean, very quickly about the decisions that exclude sale from the Premier Fifteens. So I don't really know much about it, except a lot of people are very angry about it. They're very so, angry, aren't they? Yeah. So, well, it just means that there's going to be no professional ladies rugby north of Birmingham, effectively. Because because they haven't... And am I right in saying it's because there are some criteria for this new competition they haven't yet satisfied? Not, Something like Not that. to say they, they are excluded. It's just a, no, you haven't passed... You haven't got the bar yeah. that we've set Look, yet. There is a there is a standard. They haven't passed it. And, you know, if you haven't passed it, you haven't passed it. I will say this, though. Well, well, oh, go on, you say what you're going to say. Well, there's a few things. I mean, there's many things I'd like to say. uh, But we were going to talk about this quickly, so let's let's keep it brief. Well, yeah, first of all, if you don't pass standard, you don't pass standard, right? Uh, And we know what happens when you set standards which um, are not adhered to, like the Worcester ownership and whatnot. I will say this, though. Sale have invested a lot of money into ladies' team. So if you want to run any sort of ladies' team, well, I mean... I wouldn't like to say why. It wouldn't be my course of action. That is that 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 that, that is for sure. Well, I guess is I, I guess the question actually isn't why. It's what where did that money? What el, what was that money being spent on previously? Because um, because it because it, it hasn't been gen, it hasn't been self generated by the. Well, what, I mean, previously it would have gone. To, it would have formed Simon Orange's inheritance to go to his children. <laughs> yeah, but you know this is basically you know what they wanted to do. No, that's fine. Yeah, and they wanted to build a club, and they think that you know there's. Some mileage in a women's team. I yeah, would, absolutely. I would say this though, which is the idea that we need a professional women's league no. is nonsense. And you just keep on letting down the same people over and over again. If you tell them that they're only worthwhile if you have a professional team or professional structure at the highest level, and then it folds, you let everyone down. What they should be saying is it's important that everybody plays and you play at a level which is suitable for you. And as a mass position participation sport, we do that. There's not much interest in the in the twelve fifteens outside of its outside of its immediate circle. Well, yeah, and so, furthermore, yeah, there are areas in the country where rugby does get played by men, and it's very popular with men. And there isn't a professional team like Cumbria. Cumbria, where's the Premiership team there? East Anglia. Where's the Premiership team? Yeah, exactly. Cornwall, Dor- Dorset, Hampshire, yeah, Kent. So there's loads of areas in the country where rugby is thriving. And do you know what I hate? With a, I loathe it with a passion. Are these biz- busybodies who are sort of like self-appointed coaches or, or whatnot? Not coaches, but like, like pseudo-administrators or thinkers in rugby. And they like to talk about things like, oh, how do we inspire people if they don't see top rugby? Or how do we facilitate pathways? I think pathways are some of the most stupid things that I've ever heard of. All the pathways do is they get kids on them. And then they disappoint them because not everyone can play for Sale Sharks, that's the Tigers, Saracens. And you absolutely sever, because I talk about Rafi Quirk's Broughton oh. Park under-15s. The, the actual reality is Rafi Quirk didn't play for Broughton Park after under-15s. No, he didn't. Because of a development pathway. And you... Same with Simon McIntyre. Simon McIntyre, no. He never played for Broughton yeah. Park. And it's the same with clubs all over the land. You take promising kids, you sever the ties they have with their community and and... Hopefully, a few of the ones, the names that we know, make it. But how many Rafi Quirk, Simon McIntyre have never played yeah, for yeah. a local club since? They, they go, 
18, 19, 20, they get let, let go by an academy, yep. and that's it. That's it. They don't, don't want to know again. Why the ladies want... Why these monumentally stupid people who are in charge of the ladies' game want to replicate the monumentally stupid people in the men's game is beyond me. <laughs> One of the most dysfunctional uh, sp- sporting leagues on they the planet. They are all so thick. <laughs> I, just, I just like to round them up into one immense thick room and just lock them there. And like most of the problems would probably go away. There was one guy on Twitter. Let me read you this tweet, right? This is phenomenal. <laughs> and this is like, this is not a ladies game tweet. This is just like a tweet which... Uh, th- from the simpletons tagging Elon Musk Elon see if he can see if he can uh, strike him uh, off oh. <laughs> I'm joking I'm this is that. this is actually this is <laughs> I mean this is the level of like um, I'm not going to tell you the name of, of, of probably, probably for the best but on rugby vacancies uh, a, a Twitter account which basically tells you where there's a rugby job which is quite a cool thing mm. okay uh, England rugby is recruiting a player a player pipeline off a player pipeline officer thirty two thousand pounds per annum fine and then here's the tweet and this guy's a coach right thoughts on calling player development a pipeline seems very industrial and removes any humanity from it are there better ways to talk about human beings fuck off like. <laughs> Who are you? What what kind of... Does he think this is like blue sky thinking? But there's an actual guy with influence within the rugby community who's coaching people. The last person... We, we need to lock them all up in a room of stupidity. Now, all you need to do is, uh, before you announce the job, they should have said trigger warning at the top. Oh. And then, it, then carry on. Yeah, I want to... I want to... Uh, we need to get rid of academies. They just suck all of the money out of everything and all of the youth out of everything. Uh, we need to get rid of pathways, people who want to work on pathways, but, generally speaking, or just, standard people. Just to jump, just get rid of them all. Very briefly, to jump back to the, the, the benchmark not being passed by the Sale women's team, and uh, they probably will get let in at some point, but I was having this conversation the other day when um, uh, we were talking, uh, this conversation was happening about Sale, and they went, well, what did happen with the like the AJ Ballon stuff? And it was only when I sort of retold the story that I went... Oh my goodness! That's everything that's wrong with rugby. They know the they know the phrase I use a lot at the minute. They know the price of everything and the value of nothing. So they had a they had a state a stadium that was getting ten twelve thousand every game in the rugby heartland in Cheshire, yep. south, just south of Manchester, right next to a train station with pubs and chippies right there at stock in Stockport. The Stockport, Edge Park. The the only reason they went to the AJ Bell is because the. The stadium, the RFU was saying, I believe this to be the case, the RFU was saying that stadium is not going to meet the criteria. The toilets do not have, uh, are not, there's not enough urinals or whatever. It was, um, I don't know the specifics, but it was something like that. There was, there was various things they needed to do. And Brian Kennedy, the owner, looked at it and went, the cost of ticking all these boxes is ridiculous. Yeah. We might as well just go and get a new stadium. Mm. And then they got a new stadium without the infrastructure, out of town, Soulless, very um, difficult to get to. Very difficult to get to, and even worse to get out of. And which we just live made a it few miles away. We live a few miles away. Yeah. Well, it, it, so, so, so had yeah. had someone smart gone? Hold on a minute. Do we want to get a guy that's supporting rugby with his children's inheritance to fork out a load of cash to have the right number of urinals or have the right all this yeah, or that? Whatever the criteria. Or should we just try and support the game? That's yeah. going well. And by the way, sale at that point were going gangbusters. Yeah, I mean, you think about you know. Uh, it, uh, well, all the French lads were there. Luke McAllister um, and Charlie Hodgson. Yeah, it, you know they were a brilliant, brilliant team. But um, back then, Bruno. Uh, and, 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 and you, yeah, know, you, you want to talk about ripping the soul out of? The, I mean, hands up! 
I probably am the only one here who really does like like the AJ Bell. I genuinely like going to it once I'm in it. And it's getting, all right when you're in it. Yeah, and yeah, getting yeah. there has recently got better. And Sailor made a hell of an effort to make the match day experience miles better from when they first started. So, you know, credit where it's due. That has massively improved. But the AJ Bell replaced two stadiums, the one that you've just mentioned, but the one that nobody mentions, and obviously we don't because we're a rugby union podcast, but the Willows. Now, if you want a ground with, that, ground with atmosphere oh. and character, the Willows had it all. I mean, it's not... The RFU would wet the bed if they saw the Willows. They had the... Corporate entertainment with two port cabins stacked on, stacked on top of each other. The men's urinals were uncovered, like they're in the open, but it was just a wall where they're like a drain pipe. Uh, like a drain pipe. In, in the floor. That was in, it. in the floor. You just weed onto a brick wall and it dribbled down onto a pipe and then out it went. Brilliant. I mean, I, I probably went straight into the Mersey. Or, oh, I don't know where the Mersey... <laughs> well, no, actually, what would it be? Thurwell round there? Ir- Irwell. Irwell. Or, Irwell. Or in Man- Manchester Ship Canal. Not, Ship Canal. It doesn't Marlow matter. It doesn't matter where it went. Yeah, don't, don't ask any questions yeah, about where no that's questions. going. <laughs> no questions about the Willows, please. It was just an awesome ground. But I, I guess, yeah, so I guess the broader point is, uh, and especially now, it's only when you look back with the current situation that rugby's in and you think, my God. Like, if we'd have just had a... A slightly um, bigger picture thinking then, what could you have avoided now? Yeah. Yes. And are we going to make the same mistakes again? I I wonder, right, if the geniuses over in the RFU who have managed to... I mean, they've ruined all... They're doing their best to ruin almost every aspect of the game at the moment. Between Premiership Rugby and the RFU, they've really concocted some incredible strategies to ruin our weekend activities. Um, well, only at the elite level, the, the grassroots level and clubs, that's down to the well, clubs. Yeah, because we mostly ignore them. But um, the idea, and I don't know who's come up with this idea, that the salvation for rugby lies in promoting the women's game for mass market appeal to, you know, instead of focusing on the people who love rugby, which are mostly young men, let's be completely honest well, it, well, about it. It just is. It's and, like, and that's okay. It's like, trying to, it's, like trying to tell, it's like trying to promote Sex and the City the Musical to men. Like, the idea that women are just going to flock to this game because there's a women's game, it's just not true. In fact, if anything, most women like watching the men's game. So, you know. Anyway, that, that isn't, yeah. that's besides the point. If they want a professional game and it can support itself, I fully support them doing that. 100%. But I definitely, definitely support, before that, getting it as a mass participation game for women and girls. That does not require the Terrell 15. The Terrell 15 does not need to exist in the format it does with all of the caveats that make it the 12-15 and all of the stadium requirements or, 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 or what have you in order to have a successful women's game. A successful women's game relies on lots of women enjoying rugby and playing rugby. Mm. And if you just kick out teams willy, willy-nilly and invent them, you know, out of whole cloth, like Leicester Tigers ladies, or, I mean, sales to be fair, is made out of whole cloth. It used to be mostly first World Waterloo. No one's going to enjoy it. You need to build your own history, your own stories, your own clubs, all of that stuff, and then you will enjoy it. At the moment, it's a terrible solution. And I feel sorry for everyone, like Dar- uh, you know, like Darlington, who have folded too, um, who've put so much effort into it. They've just been led down the golden path by the RFU, who are absolutely hopeless. Let them play their game. You say folded, they'll, they'll still be playing. The, that team will still exist. They just, uh, they just aren't a they've, they've not professional been included. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't they, know the internet. They've got another actually. chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Darlington have gone, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Wasps are still in existence, or are they not? Worcester are still in existence. Wasps played Worcester this weekend and no. got hammered. Did they? 
Yes, he did. Worcester won, I think. That's right, it's like 14 0, wasn't it? Yeah. So Harlequin's got hammer fights to turf. Uh, Wasp's going but, to Solly Hole, by the way. That's just one. Yeah. Bit so that is another decision by the RFU this week. They approved the Wasps takeover from is it Christopher Holland. Yeah, and, and that is a step forward to give it credit because that wouldn't have been approved. Um, not so, so long ago. Yeah, well, it's nice you mentioned that because, of course, Worcester have not been approved. Yes, correct. So, so the, the James Stamford. Yeah. Uh, and The bid led by Jim O'Toole. Yeah. So have you heard the accusation coming from the O'Toole and Stamford camp? So I, I read their statement, which uh, the statement was tweeted by Jim O'Toole, which was horrible to read on your phone. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Awful, just awful. Yeah, but it was in this widescreen mode that you yeah. had to scroll across the full text. But in text, it was in like size six. It's font. ironic, isn't anyway. it? That his business partner is a tech entrepreneur. <laughs> you, you would not have thought it trying to read that statement. No, you wouldn't. You, you, you thought. So, he, so am I right? You thought he'd, he'd, he's believe. like the wholesaler of calligraphy pens or something. <laughs> is the short is the short answer that they believe they are having having a bar set for them that other clubs are not. No, they're just not passing the bar which they've been given. And they, I think, they just don't like the bar that's been set. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the two lines in the statement I thought were interesting because it was, it was potentially contradictory, the bar that's been set. So obviously Worcester and Wasps both have uh, astronomical debts prior to going into administration. Yes. Um, which will, I think these will look to repay at least some of those debts. It might not be mm. pounds on the pound. Still lots and lots might... of small businesses are going bust. Yeah, there, there will be yeah. there'll be lots and lots of businesses out of pocket. But one of the, depending on how you look at it, it's a good thing, but it could also be seen as slightly contradictory from, it was from the Worcester statement or the Jim O'Toole statement, but the rule set by the RFU was some of the conditions, one of the conditions they put on them was, they're not allowed or limiting their ability to sell off the land adjacent to Six Ways, the surrounding land that Worcester owns, but also having the requirement that to pay the creditors as early as possible. Yep. Now, if you're not going to sell off any of the assets to do that, then that can only really come from the pockets of the person buying it, yep. which makes it less attractive, makes it more difficult and less attractive. Now, that's probably... It's probably a lo- long term. If you can get someone who's willing to do that, it's a good thing that the club retains those assets. But you might not be able. To, like, is, is it a better thing that the club sells off some of those assets? But you actually, the club actually exists because if no one's willing to take it over, then the club doesn't exist. Steve Diamond's ready. Steve Diamond is ready. So there's a few things I want to say on that. Uh, one, the whole problem with Worcester is everything's valuable about it, except for the rugby team. Yeah, so, yeah, well, that, that was the Wasps' problem. Yes. The stadium. Yeah, fine, great. Great. So when Everything you read else? the plan for Worcester, it's like, we're going to invest more in the stadium. Like, don't do that. That's the last thing you want to do. Like, you know, make sure you've got a viable rugby operation. So that and that is the- Steve Diamond's plan. He's actually yeah. talking about staying in the championship for multiple three, years. Yeah, three, four years. Three, four, maybe five years. Whilst the championship becomes more akin to the French model, which I've been talking about for forever, that link the two have the broadcast split between the two have some of the money split between the two so it can become sustainable over time Steve Diamond is saying he, he's not got ambitions to get back into the Premiership Aye. anytime soon it's to build up the academy get the production of young players and get fans coming back and make it something which washes its own face yeah so mm. on that I wouldn't be surprised if Diamond's plan would be to say he wants to stay in the in the championship but wait for the restructure and the relaunch year after next yeah 24-25 I think that's probably the goal so 
the other thing I want to say about the Worcester situation is for Jim O'Toole and for James Stamford to say that the RFU decision has put off the investors makes me think they might not be the right inv- investors. So if they came to rugby so blind to it that they thought it's going to be plain sailing and they didn't think the RFU were going to have their say on things, they're not the right people for the game. I mean, how can you... You don't understand. Yeah, how can you get to a situation where the RFU say something and it puts and it scares you as an investor? I would have thought you'd know this inside out. If I was going to put some money forward to buy Worcester, I'd be well aware of how the RFU might behave, good or bad. And I don't think they're behaving badly in, 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 in this case at all. But I'd be fully aware of it. It wouldn't put mm. me off. Yeah. I mean, it just made you me should, think... You should know. Well, it should just confirm what you already knew. Yeah. So it makes me think that the bid isn't as strong and that the RFU are right to deny it. Because mm. if the money's put off by something like this, well, it's like, it's like, wait until you get into actual rugby itself and you'll, you'll be terrified. It's like wanting to buy like a 20-year-old Alfa Romeo mm, and, then, yes. and then hearing that, oh, well, you might need to put some money aside for the mechanics bills because there might be sort of one or two issues. What? <laughs> what? But no, you get a beautiful car. It's absolutely gorgeous. Sounds amazing. Yeah, but hang on. But, I didn't want to spend any more money on this. <laughs> so one-time, one-time payment. I was told this is just going to go up in value. <laughs> Actually, a twenty-year-old Alfa Romeo is probably, it prob- it probably a substantially be. better investment than most of what we There was one other bit, and yeah, unless there's anything else to go on um, uh, these two, but one other bit of rugby administrative news this week that I saw: Bernard Laporte has, jail has been a very, very naughty boy. Very naughty. He's literally gone to jail, and well, no, he hasn't actually. He sus- literally got suspended sentence. Suspended, suspended sentence, seventy-five thousand pound fine. Two-year ban from rugby activities. Mohed Al- Altrad, as well, has got a £50,000 fine. Has he? So they've both been found guilty of corruption charges. I've tried reading about this in several different places, and nowhere... I, I was actually thinking on the way over, I need to read a translation of Le Keep or some, mm. a French paper. No English papers that I've seen have given a good clear description of exactly what naughty things the two of them have done. I'd love to know. I know it surrounds... It was basically fixing the Altrad on the French jersey, wasn't it? It surrounds the French jersey plus the World Cup bit. But ah. I don't I don't know the... In, well, I, so I, I know that much. Yeah. What I want is more. Because yeah. surely, like, Altrad, they've got loads of money. They spend loads of money on rugby. They sponsor the All Blacks now. They just They just just be top bidders like just just spend a bit more money like i don't see the need for there to be and this this investigation started in 2017 a lot of man hours gone into that hello i know the french uh, police service are they're notoriously efficient i hear (laughs) but uh, despite that it's taken them uh, five years well i mean i I guess i've gone through several officers who've probably been bribed off the case anyway (laughs) nothing to see here do it again nothing to see here do it again the corruption charges in the french police force adjacent to the corruption charges (laughs) into (laughs) altrad's shirt naming is Incredible. As it should be, by the way. Yeah. As it absolutely should be. See, I'd, I'd love a great description of yeah. this. What did they actually do? What, why are they such naughty boys? They are. Now, are these suspended sentences like sort of like the Spanish footballers suspended sentences, which are the maximum sentence we can give you without putting you in jail? Uh, well, it's, if, and if, if you do anything wrong, yeah. Between before between now and however long you're so like didn't you're going? I think Lionel Messi got a suspended sentence. Was that, tax, that was tax. tax evasion. Yeah, but the thing is, with you know, rich famous people, they say like anything under two years we can suspend. 
Mm. And then anything over, we have to lock you up. So they always get the maximum suspended sentence. Yeah. So I, I don't actually know, and I don't even know, because the port has said he's going to um, appeal it. So it might just be That's suspended. That's going to cost Mr. Altrad a lot of money, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to just be... Sus- it might, I, I don't know, might just be suspended until the appeal. Who would do it but sued? Given that Laporte was uh, Bill Beaumont's chair, running mate, chair, whatever... Not a great look. Yeah, not a great look from that side. Well, yeah. Um, and also, he was the face of France 2023, or one of the faces of France 2023, so not a good look from that side. But yeah, there'll, there'll be lots of hand-wringing um, over this, but, you know, if Mr. Altrad wanted to bribe me, I'd let him. I, mean, <laughs> you know, I call this the... Uh, it's like the... Um, How much would he have to bribe us to sponsor the podcast? I mean, I, I, I'm not for sale, but I'd have the conversation. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's more what would... what. Opinions would JB be prepared to to, to <laughs> pretend were his yes. on the podcast? That's <laughs> yes. the question. Yes, quite. Uh, well, I, so the people that li- say, "Oh, I love Owen Farrell." Well, the people that say, "Like, oh, this is this is disgusting," you know, that he's been caught for corruption. I'd like to know how many of them would not accept Mr. Al- Mr. Altrad's money. I look at this as the um, it's like an honesty test. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to call this yet, but it's something like the. Um, like the Epstein test, like how honest are you? And if you say you wouldn't get on on, on Epstein's jet, you're a liar. <laughs> right? You couldn't get me off. You, you couldn't get me off Epstein's jet. I'd, I'd be glued to it. If I, if I got on that jet, I'm not getting off. If I if it is as advertised, why would I get off? <laughs> Careful, because some of the some of the allegations yeah, yeah. of what you was need, happening, you, no, 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 you need to be no, clear. No, the about... reality, the reality is very different to what was advertised. No, no, no. But okay, even... okay, fine. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. But you couldn't get me off that jet. No way. Yeah. <laughs> but people that say I would never get on that jet that sounds awful <laughs> liars all liars um, I'm going to segue us back to the rugby with this email contactsentations at gmail.com from Clive Smith Smithy uh, better known as Grandad someone that apparently you know JB from Broughton Park days oh, and, and also a mutual friend from Tok H uh, the reason I'm writing this is on the conversation of local derbies which we brought up a few weeks back He's from Barrow in Furness, mm. where there are only two rugby union teams. That's in Cumbria, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where there are only two rugby union teams in the town. Vickers, now Hawcote Park. And so Vickers, I imagine, were originally Vickers Armstrong, were they not? Uh, Vickers Armstrong. Yeah, it? the shipyard. Yes, correct. Mm. Um, uh, and Furness are the other team. So Vickers was the name of the shipyard. The reason they changed the club name is because Vickers Shipyard is now BAE. Uh, the, gra- is it? the grounds are only a mile apart. It's work colleague v work colleague, mate versus mate. We nice. used to have some good old ding-dongs on the field, but afterwards we'd go back to being friends. Uh, New Year's Day was always the big derby day. Love that. Are yes. there any, like, Boxing Day or New Year's derby? Uh, Boxing Day is a big one back in Wales, isn't it, JB? It is, actually. So we always used to play Boxing Day, and sadly, my club back at home, Colton Bay, it went from sort of... We used to do Wales versus the rest of the world. That was always a thing, mm. that, a thing that we did. And as sort of numbers have dwindled in Colman Bay Rugby Club, they don't do that anymore, and it's sort of turned into touch, and I don't want anything to do with that. Um, however, across town, well, it's not a town, but a couple of miles away, Thunder the Rugby Club also do their Boxing Day game, which is very successful, and that really is a bit of a social event. And if anyone's around on Boxing Day, go into London and Rugby Club, I mean, they're, they're an inch a lot, to put it mildly, but they are great fun. Um, and if they play their Boxing Day game, which I've done for years now, that is brilliant fun. Absolutely brilliant. Mm, that's cool. So I'm I'm playing Sedgley. Um, it's on the 27th this year. Oh nice. I've not played for uh, I don't know three years maybe, but playing this year. So I look quite looking forward to. Is that. it sort of a social? It's it's like the the 
kind of legends, the ex-first ex team players playing against kind of a mix of seconds, thirds and fourths, whoever they can get down oh, nice. as kind of current players. Love it's, it. It's always good fun. Always uh, a good day. Paul Lee as well, just quickly to wrap this one up. He said, talking grassroots, his club back in Birmingham, home of the infamous Englishman, Paddy Jackson. <laughs> 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 Listen to last week's pod for that. <laughs> infamous Englishman, that's what we have to call him from now on. <laughs> Played their first home game for four years last weekend. What? what? Four years? Old Saltalians, I hope I've said that right. Old Saltalians RFC were moved on from their home ground in Water Orton, Birmingham in 2018 due to construction of HS2. Ah. For the last three seasons, they've played their home games on community sports ground four miles from their base during this time without a clubhouse. And with other non-rugby factors affecting numbers, they've lost a lot of senior players, club members and an entire mini and junior section. However, they've managed to keep a consistent first team running each and every week, and even gain promotion back to level seven in 2021. That's some feat mm, with all yeah, of that. Isn't it? Uh, they were due to kick off the season at the new ground, but due to project delays and government bureaucracy, it was pushed back till December. They were able to negotiate with all teams in the league to play away every week until then, as they had to move um, from their temporary base. Last weekend, they finally played at home, their new home, against Stourbridge Lions and won 31-12. Amazing. So every, ga- every game for the rest of the league season will be at home and it's an unbelievable facility. Uh, and it, it, he mentions that the handy location just off the M42 and M6 even had Ben Cohen pop in back oh. in 2011 to help out as he used to see the, the training lights, uh, p- uh, the training pitch lit up on his commute to sale. Uh, the, good lad. The grand opening scheduled for the 21st of January. You're very welcome, boys. Um, I was waiting when, for the invite, actually. Whenever, whenever <laughs> you stop by, Club Chairman Mick Lee is uh, understandably proud of the club and will take any opportunity to talk about it. Well, that's a good rugby story. Isn't that's it just? great. Yeah. Well done. Fantastic. Well done, everyone, well done, everyone at Old Soul. Oh, brilliant. That well team. done. Salt- that team. Saltalians. Yes, well done. Um, I think it's only fair that we do talk about Ospreys. Because of all of the results... Uh, game I, of the round. Uh, well, sorry, not game of the round. Result, result of, of the round, round, certainly. I mean, Montpellier are French top 14 champions. We were, we have been waxing lyrical about the top 14 on this podcast for a little while now, despite not knowing anything about it. <laughs> and um, for Ospreys, who I have been deeply critical of for a long, long time, and I think it's just me, I think most of the rugby world has been fairly critical of the Welsh regions to go there and win. After what I thought was a one-off, even if promising performance against Tigers... Mm. Fair play. I mean, brilliant. And yeah. it's it's a it's a handy Montpellier team as well. Without yeah. a few like front line Ospreys to come back in as well. Mm. Yeah. And what? I, so here's an interesting thing for you. This is the first time I understand that Ospreys have won in France in any form at all in the Champions Cup. Really? Oh, surely back in the day. That's exactly what I thought, but that's what I read on Twitter, so it must Hulk be true. And Shane Williams and Alwood was, was it the same person that said Paddy Jackson was English? <laughs> no, <laughs> is it the same guy that thinks pipelines are too industrial for humans or something? <laughs> um, no, um, well, 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 no, it was it was on an account that seems to know yeah, things no, about that, that's mm. great, I mean, great, great stuff. I know it's a long time since they won in this competition. And, it might um, be true, it might not be true. But if it's not awesome. true, it's still a great result. And if it is true, it's an even better result. It's an amazing result. It's amazing. That Montpellier back line, the, the pack, other than Mercer and Henry Thomas... I'm talking about it, sorry. Go for you, it. Know, you go. Um, the pack, there's a lot, of, a lot of names I don't really know in that pack. Um I do know that uh, Paul Valencia came off the bench. Yeah, he's fit so he now. he's fairly handy. But that backline is absolutely amazing. So the Reiner Carbonell, Garbisi playing twelve, 
George Bridge, Ben Lamb, and Anthony <laughs> Boutier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, apparently that's the knock- legit so, backline. So two things on that. Uh, the knock on Montpellier allegedly is their 10-12 combination just doesn't work. And it hasn't okay. worked since Pollard has played 12. They just need a 12. So yeah, one yeah. reason it is two, two 10s in France just don't work. The other thing which is of, of interest is that if it wasn't for some, certain refereeing decisions, Ospreys would have come away here with a bonus point. Wow. So that then puts them in proper contention for mm. actually uh, actually exiting the group. Now, Ospreys were, or Toby Booth was on record earlier on this year, saying that he hardly had enough players to do team run-throughs. He had to borrow lads from the academy. Mm. And I think, I think I'm right in saying they borrowed lads from the Welsh under-21s who were, bo- who were training in the same facility just <laughs> nice. to do the team just, run-through. Just to get enough bodies on the pitch. Yeah. So I, I think it's a... It's, it's impressive. It is impressive, and definitely. I mean, do I want a team who wears that kit to go far in the competition? It remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. <laughs> well, other teams, or another team wearing a disgusting kit that we kind of very briefly mentioned before, but they played very, very well. Exeter Chiefs hammered the Bulls. I saw this game, it was rubbish. It wasn't worth watching. <laughs> there, was, there was some entertaining bits. Um, just because watching Exeter do the old Exeter stuff do it, Exeter go back to kind of when they were good three, four years ago two, three, yeah, two, three years ago I just don't think it was worthwhile I mean look this Rob Baxter was talking before the game about this and he was saying that uh, in Rob Baxter's coded ways if you're having South African teams in the competition they have to pay their way or it has to be commercially sustainable oh, yeah, commercially, commercially viable. yeah so that and I think what he was referring to is the fact that not even the people of Exeter who love their rugby can be bothered showing up to the stadium so I, I'm not I think it's over half full, but there's certain sections of the stadium which were just blocked out completely. But it's it's also it's flying to, I don't know, uh, Montpe- Montpellier or Toulouse is one thing. You can you can organize you can organize a from Exeter. It's probably a one hour fifteen minute flight. <gasps> Imagine like you go. Uh, but, that that was one of the exciting things. If you, if you supported a club, going yes, we got Claremont. Like, I don't care yeah, what the result yeah, is. Yeah. We're going to go and see our team in yeah, an amazing yeah. stadium and go to go to like the the town with the most Michelin star restaurants yeah, in yeah. the world. Yeah, get to go to Leon. Get oh, awesome. Any any like a, a trip to Ireland is always amazing fun because of the yeah. the, the uh, crowds. Because you get the hospitality, and it's and it's it's a forty-five minute flight to get over there. Yeah, if you're going to uh, well, Bulls Pr- Pretoria, Pretoria, yeah, it's absolute nightmare. Yeah, you, you just can't can't do it. Ali Eakin, I think it's Ali Eakin. It might not be, but at the end of the game, he said the Bulls are some like over-travelled, understrength, and something else. Uh, he put it very, very succinctly. Very old as well, with Mono Stain and Bismarck Duplessis. Well, I mean, there's no problem with that. They're, they're at the prime of their careers. Um, I'm, glad you're watching, I'm glad you're watching the BT Sport coverage of it, which is the, the superior. It's the only coverage. The although I've got, a, I've got a bit of a gripe about BT Sport, and I'll come back to that in a second. As do I. Um, and, and when he said that, it's I was like, tease. well, yeah, of course they are. Of course they are. Flying South Africa to London is hard. But the transfers from wherever these, uh, well, from... It's a, yeah, it's a Bulls, wasn't it? So Bulls, Pretoria, yeah. Pretoria to the airport. The airport, the airport, providing they flew direct. I mean, they're not flying into Newquay. Um, <laughs> they're yeah. not flying into Exeter. They're not flying into Bristol. They're going to be they're... flying straight into into London, right? And then that's. Or they could be. Well, three the, hours, four hours. Uh, it, dep- it depends how they do it because you could fly via like um, Paris and then or Amsterdam, and there might be a direct flight to Exeter from there, from oh, somewhere yeah, like good that. Point. Or, ch- or charter a plane to Exeter Airport from there anyway. You, yeah, you from could do something closer. like that. But yeah, 
There's no there's no easy way of doing it yeah. on, on a week's turnaround. And then they might... I mean, presumably they're going to want a captain's run or something. So when they set off Wednesday, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough for... Well, and that, I, that was my point... That was my reading of the point that Rob Baxter made. Well, you, you're going to be sending 30-plus people out for flights and accommodation and food for what is effectively a full week and trip. I've not really thought about this. I just haven't, and I'm sure someone knows the answer, and I'm sure the URC have got a really good answer for this because they deal with it all the time. But when sail play in France or Ireland, it's quite common for them to send the kit men over like three days earlier on a van. On the, on the, yeah, yeah. Just because there's a load of kit and it's much cheaper to send the van with their two kit guys. Stick it on a boat three months early. Yeah, exactly. To get to Durban. You can't do that if you're the Bulls, can you? You can't drive through the Sahara or, or wherever they're going to go. It, I, it wouldn't actually surprise me now that it's kind of set up if the South African teams have a European kit Herb or something as in, as in yeah they've got their sh- they've got the plain shirts that travel around Europe on the back of a van and they've yeah. got the plain shirts for when they're at home they might actually sits in, sits in Calais ready to well, yeah. off anywhere well for the URC teams they do do three week t- stints don't they I think yeah yeah have made that you, you do the tours it's two or three weeks so you they must have a training base I'd imagine or would they Was yeah it? you probably do well I, it would be one. That's one thing. It's o- this is only compounded by the fact that Ulster weren't the only team playing a behind the behind doors, behind closed doors game because the game in South Africa was was nobody there again. Yeah, shame. Nobody that. there. I honestly thought at the end of last season, rugby was turning a bit of a corner, particularly with the South Africans because they won two South the Africans. Yeah, yeah in the final. And it was rammed. It, it was awesome. It, that it struck me as like the South Africans are bought into this. This is actually this could be me being proven completely wrong about the South Africans in, in the URC. It could work, and now I'm just thinking, no, not really. Unless it's just going to take a season or two for them to buy into this competition. This this game, this extra game, it got me thinking, and I, I kind of watched this just after I'd watched the Leinster game, uh, and before I saw the Saracens game and the Leicester game. It got me thinking about Eddie Jones. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of England's... So, Exeter... Saracens and now Leicester, um, two of those European champions, and Leicester, the way that they play, they're all so efficient at either rolling malls or pick and go, just grinding out tries. Yeah. And that's that's like almost the historic formula of English rugby was that. Yeah. And that the Eddie Jones team has just been and they've got the they've got the constituent parts to do that brilliantly because those three teams that we've just named who all do it brilliantly and the Eddie Jones team over the last few years has just been so bad so inefficient at doing the basic fundamentals that English teams should it's almost like you should have should gone two do years ago or, or five years ago or five four, years four years ago when you first said it um yeah it's i'm a I'm I'm definitely softening on the whole thing. I'm I'm now um I'm more and more okay with it, particularly mm-hmm. with Borthwick about to be announced tomorrow. Yeah. And if anyone can do that, it's not pretty, but it wins games. Yeah. That hard English grinding and, results. And, and out. on that, if it's true that he's taking uh, Simfield with him, I think that's great for a number of reasons, but firstly, I would make sure Kevin Simfield gets a lot of time in front of the media. Mm. Yeah, he's not very media friendly though, is he? Like he's quite a quiet bloke. When he, yeah. actually, but yeah, he is. is, is he? He's quite like a modest, quiet bloke. Yeah, they're both very, very modest. But although 
My, my only, I've, I've had three or four dealings with Kevin Sunfield. Two, 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 two a social up in Oldham, um, and he was far more reserved then than when we met him in the Canterbury. Yeah, thing. yeah. Well, he was actually so we asked him loads of stupid questions <coughs> in, the, in the style of defend the indefensible fighting talk. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he was well game for it. Yeah, he was, he was good game. For it. It. He was game for it, and someone else was really game for it. Wallace. David Wallace. David Wallace. And then a couple of lads weren't. Adam Jones was quite good fun as well. Adam, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... That's only because Adam Jones had, was in love with Phil for his deadlift. <laughs> he was, wasn't <laughs> he? At that point. <laughs> what was his deadlift? Are they 2.30? 2.30. Two 2.30. Yeah, when you've got Adam Jones nodding and appreciating oh. a deadlift, it's like, yeah. Good lad. Yeah. Good lad. Yeah, we battered them. Team JB. Our team was miles. It was a three-man deadlift competition. Didn't know. Who's our third man? I think he uh, used to play a bit of Sedge. Oh, uh, Sophic. Sophic. Max yeah, Sophic, Max. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, bloody hell, yeah. Yeah. So we were <laughs> we were a long, long way long ahead. Long way. <laughs> long way. Of the civilians we were deadlifting against. Yeah. Well, and and rugby writers. Yes. yes. They, Bloggers. They, they don't deadlift much, you know. <laughs> Less than Not a lot. <laughs> it was, as well, what made it even better was it was over body weight. So, to, <laughs> yeah. so it was the 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 bit that counted was the bit above your body weight. So me doing ah. it, and so it's like it's still, 100, still 100, like that one sixty or one fifty. One fifty over body weight, yeah. Wow, quite good. That, isn't Holy it? shit! Wow. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do that right that's, now. That's, that's a good posterior chain going on there, mate. <laughs> Isn't it just? <laughs> it was once. Yeah. Uh, uh, Quinns, we've got a break. Uh, Exeter, I thought, was really, really good performance. Yeah. It was great. But it's back to, you're right, it wasn't the most exciting game in the world, but it was back to Exeter doing Exeter things, which is always good to see. Yeah. And uh, LCD scoring a 47-minute hat-trick. It was quite yeah, nice. I love that. Uh, but Quinns. Uh, Quinns, along with Ospreys, they're sort of the most eye-catching results. And... Um, well, Finn, Finn Baxter. Yeah. yeah. Finn, Who? Finn Baxter. Finn Sanity. <laughs> yeah, of a different type. Yeah. Um, an interesting game, the Ospreys. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the Harlequins game. Did you both see it? I saw, so I must admit, I was watching uh, quite a lot of the World Cup final. But then I switched on for the last 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever it was, where they kind of closed out the game. Mm, they were lucky. I, I really think they were lucky. Um, Racing, even with a man down, looked like the more dangerous team. And Harlequins looked determined to throw us away. There was a couple at the end of that game where Racing made like three compounded errors. Yeah, they missed, it, missed the kick. Yeah, penalty at the ja- uh, Will Evans did a great jackal, but yeah, it was one, one, one. Yeah, yeah. But it, red card. That I, red card was an interesting one. Mm, yeah, it I'm was not red card, though. I it it was, it was uh, when I first saw it. I was like. That's going to be given as a red card, but it's just like momentum. Maybe but then he, and when you slow it down, he, there's definitely a lift. And if, if you land on your head when there's a lift, if you take all the emotion out of it and all the heat around player welfare and whatnot, and you sat down, probably with a bunch of referees, um, and also the two lads had different shirts on, you know, just mm. plain shirts, you might come to the conclusion that it's yellow or even a rugby incident. But you had all the emotion and the absolute hysteria on player welfare. It has to, it has to be a red. And, and I'm actually red, okay it? with it, so it being a red because it was it was such a it's such a weird brutal yeah, and it was such a weird movement from the number eight that to he's like on one knee and then driving him up. Yeah, it's just 
He was caught su- him, hasn't he? It was such a weird... Yeah, but there's catching him, but he then drives up. I mean, well, good luck trying to you know, stop the pro athlete jumping. I mean, it looks to me like he's not jumping over him, but that's where his momentum's going. So you have to be horrendously strong to sort of pin into the ground. But Bring it just, down. you know, you yeah. it all together, it's a red card, we just need to move on. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, just some reflections on Quinn's. So prior to this weekend, everyone's talking about the salary cap this, salary cap that. It's ruling teams. They might have a point because it's not easy to put together a team. Quinns are remarkably well put together. And the recruitment that they've done to build that team is brilliant. I mean, it just is. Well, I think the case with English teams is that the salary cap still allows a really good first 15. Yeah, well, yeah, a first 15. But I think there's another element to that. It's a first 15 which can do one thing really well. And Quinns have chosen what their one thing is. They don't have many ways to play. They play the Quinns way, same way that Sale played, their Sale way. So you can have a really good first team that plays one, one way. And I think Quinns have recruited to that system absolutely brilliantly. The only exception to that would maybe be Saracens, who I do think have multiple ways to play, and they do have multiple ways to play. But Exeter only play one way, fundamentally. Sale only play one way. Sale are, are maybe the best example of a, yeah. a one-dimensional team. And Actually, I think that's an advantage because what you'll see is teams taking their style to the nth degree. Nobody in Europe plays like Quinns. I mean, they might get beaten, um, but they will they will eke out every advantage doing what they do because they're specialists. And I think when you get all these teams specialising in a certain area or aspect of rugby, that's when you start to develop really interesting new tactics. You certainly see it at Quinns. I mean, oh, sorry, well, you do see it at Quinns. You certainly see it at Saracens. I mean, who else would have looked through the law book and realised you can form like a scorpion's tail around the edge of a ruck or <laughs> all the clever stuff that they do? So, uh, you know, that is the advantage of a salary cap. It makes you really focus on the things that you're good at. And when you focus and specialise, just like the general economy, you tend to find really weird weird things, mostly by, mostly by accident. So, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, there, there are benefits, but there are also like Quinn's losing Joe Marchant next year. A, yep. a guy that they've, they've... The talent that has come through their academy... And they can't afford to keep him. No, and, uh, and they're not alone in that situation. Yeah, you can't. You can. You're never going to be able to build a La Rochelle. You're never going to be able to build a. It's, it's the dynasties that will get taken apart. That's that's the. You can't build a Leinster La Rochelle to lose, but you can do but, really special things. So, so Exeter are probably going to be without next season. Sam Simmons and Luke Cowndicky. We know Joe Simmons probably yeah. and Jack Noll. <sighs> Sorry, so yeah. Cowndicky's gone. No one, one Simmons has already gone. Yep. The, yeah, other the, the other Simmons is looking like he's looking going to likely going. They obviously, really? lost, they obviously lost Johnny Hill and Tom O'Flaherty last I know, year. And they put a lot of effort into him. He's not played well recently. No, but for, to Phil's point, he, yeah. to Phil's point, he's like you're breaking up dynasties. You've got you've got a load of young English lads that have come through the academy and even earlier than that together. It must. And, and, and Exeter just gets broken up. It's just uh, it, it's a reality. Yeah. It's the financial reality. It's just sad to see. And, and, and also Exeter when the first time that Joe Simmons won the premiership I bet he was on I don't know less 5,000 yeah 50k something actually like I don't know like, exactly how much he's on he'd be on 42k yeah 42k yeah yeah so like things like that you you can never buy in talent of that quality for that money you can only um, create talent of that quality for that money yeah so you know, a couple of things I think will manifest themselves I think this like, like the NFL because it's such a competitive league Coaching becomes really, really detailed at, at, at the top level. Not talking about these clowns at the lower level. Like, right at the apex of um, 
the game now. I mean, look at the coaching team that Leicester have put together. They're absolutely superb. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally yeah, agree. That's it is, it is, yeah, you're right. And it is something we talked about before. It, I, I guess I, just, I was only echoing Phil's point that it is a sh- it's sad to see. A reality, yes. but it's, it seems yeah, like it's, it's yeah. a shame. That's it. And when you, when you want... Because we all... I support Ulster, but I also follow the Premiership. And I hope it's, so. it's always great to see, like over the last few years, um, English teams who you watch week in, week out, being competitive in Europe, yeah, and that's the bit that um, we won't we won't see it. Uh, certainly not to the same extent. I don't think we'll see it past the knock, past the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll do as a league pretty well getting into the quarterfinals. Yeah, but that's you want to see people competing for the finals, don't you? Yeah. Um, games that we've not mentioned. We did briefly touch on Stormers v London Irish. Um, okay. We've briefly mentioned Bordeaux versus Sharks. Uh, we haven't yet met Edim- mentioned Edinburgh's good win against Cast. So is that the second? No, because they lost. Against they Saracens, lost to Saracens, but they did well. Against, they did very well against Saracens. Yeah, and they could have won it against Saracens as well. They got a bonus point win against Cast. Um, scored some nice tries as well. Was, um, were they at home? They were in the shadow of Murrayfield. Yeah, they look like a promising team. I was very impressed with them against uh, Sar- Saracens. In fact, I was really impressed with them against Saracens. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm going to go over the Saracens game now because I've not seen this one. <laughs> but they they managed to stop Saracens imp- impressing their shape in a way that no other Premiership team has done. They, they did, um, I think, very well from both yeah. games that I've seen of them. Another game that we've not mentioned a single thing about, Munster travelled to Franklin's Gardens and won 17 points to six. Now, I've heard some strange things about this game. It's the only game. There was three yellow cards for Munster in the the last 20 minutes. minutes. Apparently, it's very tasty. It's the only game I've seen. Not a single second. Yeah, no, I haven't, and uh, I will. I will remedy that one. To to friend of the pod and a loyal listener, Graham Roundtree. I will remedy that, Graham. Yeah. So I've not seen a single second of this either. But I was actively texting a friend of mine who was a Northampton fan, who was saying that it was quite a tasty game. But also, Northampton played a very strange style. Apparently, they. they were intent on taking Munster on up front. They weren't playing with the normal abandon that Northampton play, spinning it wide. Very much one up, one up, one up runners. I don't know what the reasoning is for it or how true that is. <clears throat> if it is true, it's a very bizarre decision because I would expect Northampton to be able to beat Munster most most times, actually. Or conditions. Conditions might have I'm sure. Because the, the Quinn's conditions were awful. What are you going to lose? Just lose, lose by loads. <laughs> what's, what's the difference? <laughs> Lose doing what you do. No, probably. yeah, I'm not sure they were trying to lose. It's like I'm not that. sure that was their ambition. Look, <laughs> if you're Saints and you try and beat anyone, if you if you nip down and try and beat up Rafi Quirks, Broughton Parks under 15s, I don't think Northampton could do that. Let let alone Munster. So you know, just, don't do it. So I'm just looking up because Courtney Laws was going to start this game. I've then just looked at the team sheet that actually played the game, oh, and he, he didn't play. That'd be it. But it was a uh, glute injury. By the way, Angus Scott Not Young, his name, his name, uh, he's named because of the ACDC lead singer, or ACDC guitarist. Is that right? Yeah. Knowledge. Angus Angus Young, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So that's why his dad called him Angus, because he's Aussie. And mm. that's Eka Deka, ACDC, mate, Eka Deka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what have we got next week? Any premiership? Yeah. Yeah. We have the, the inaugural Slater Cup on Saturday, Christmas Eve in Leicester. That's the one I'm working on. Oh, awesome. So are the games, are the games on Thursday? No. Friday. Friday, Friday Saturday. Friday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, okay. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 23rd, 24th, ah, Friday, okay. Saturday. 
Yeah. What's the Friday? What are the Friday night games? London Irish host Saracens. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me Saracens. Saracens will rotate. They will rotate. Um, and London Irish will have been partying in Cape yeah. Town. If there's a team of parties, it's definitely, definitely London Irish. Long I hope there's a good crowd for this. Yeah, so do oh, I. There is. I bet the Slater Cup will be packed. Yeah, the King of the North, the, the King of the North, or um, <laughs> I was just Dimes. I remember when he when there was that there was that uh, poster, Dean Richardson, Steve Diamond, where the Newcastle Sale game. I genuinely think King that, of the North. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, so uh, I genuinely think that offended Dimes. I like the, the fact there's even a question about it. The only person who might have been King of the North or a uh, Prince of the North would have been um, they. Oh, Dave Wilson? What's his name? Played at Newcastle and England and Sale. Yeah, yeah. Walder. Uh, uh, Dave. No. Oh, Davey Wilson? What the. No, no that's a prop. But England, Newcastle, Sale. Simon uh, Hammersley? No, he's a back row. He's, oh. he's a legend. Oh, Mark Wilson. Mark Wilson. Oh, yeah. Mark Prince Wilson. of the North, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the King of Wilmslow as well. King of Wilmslow, but that's, that's a, more of a principality, isn't it? And Lord Hammer of Hammershire. Yeah. Yep. yep. Phil, There's you, only one King of the North. You are correct that there would have been a game on Thursday. Would there have Wasps, been? Worcester was scheduled for Thursday. It was, was it? it? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so it's Irish Saracens. Although these, no, actually, I, that might be rubbish because these are rescheduled Premiership matches. Leicester were not meant to play Gloucester on this uh, day, yeah. so who knows? But Exeter Bath is quite a spicy one. Mm. Yeah, Leicester Gloucester, very. That'll be a very good game. Uh, Quinns Bristol. Mm. That'll be good. Well, that's on Tuesday. Tu- oh wow! Excellent. Oh, so we, so we've got twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty seventh, thirtieth, thirty first. Wow. When do so we do the podcast? Uh, well, it's Sunday, which is Christmas Day. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we always record on a Sunday. <laughs> we yeah, might, might change it. Might maybe do it Boxing Day this year. Mm. Monday we have, night. Uh, we, have, we, have a po- we always have a podcast there 52 weeks of the don't year we on a it? Monday. Well, hang on, don't we're we going to have it? to record it on Christmas Day. Don't we do it? Yeah, we're going to have to, aren't we? Gonna have to. Don't we do it on usually the, the delayed bank holiday? <laughs> well, actually, there's two bank holidays. Oh, so we've got until the Tuesday. Because Chris, uh, uh, Christmas Day is on the Saturday. It is, uh, Christmas Day is Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Uh, so Boxing Day is a bank holiday already, and then the 27th is a bank holiday because yeah, it's Sunday. of Christmas Day. So we Day. should, if when? we were to follow tradition, we should then do it on the Tuesday night, which is the the end of that weekend's games. So that does make sense, but I think we might have to do a podcast on Christmas Day anyway. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a Christmas Day pod and then we'll do one on the we'll do one on the Tuesday as well or after after the round of games is wrapped up. Now I've just remembered one thing. Uh, I made a little quiz this week. Oh, why not? Should we options do it now, save it till next week, or well, do it as a Patreon pod? Do it, do it on the Chris, do it on Christmas Day. Do it on Christmas Day. Well, we've got thirty seconds left until this podcast hits hot, hits two hours. Oh, right. let's so not, we're do not do it, it now. We're not doing it now. The, <laughs> the bitter, be, bitter end. It might be coming on Christmas Day. Right. Thank you for listening. Subscribe. Um, Patreon.com forward slash egg chasers. Uh, subscribe. Oh, no, uh, yeah. Just do those things. Just do, do, all, do all that stuff and happy Christmas. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.